Crop Talk TV Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. You know what it is, man. It's Fan Friday, man. We're getting into everything that y'all want to talk about. We're getting you guys on the show right away. Uh, but first, definitely want to make sure that you guys listen locked on 49ers podcast with myself, Brian Peacock. We previewed the 49ers against the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to be talking about it some more on this show as well. Uh, also listen to Locked On NFL Draft. Finally started previewing and giving my analysis on the cornerbacks from this class. We went over three guys, Roger McCrary, uh, McDuffie, and Job out of Alabama. All right, so get into, you know, digging into these prospects, cornerbacks, you guys might want to hear that. So locked on NFL draft for that content right there. Also, of course, this show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. All right, Underdog Fantasy, download the app or go to underdogfantasy.com. All right, and you already know if you're at the right place, if you see that right there, that logo right there, underdogfantasy.com, uh, go ahead, download the app, and go make you some money. I already saw some, a couple people in my mentions, hey, Croc, I use this, I made money. Hey, Croc, look at, I made $200, or no, somebody made $500 last night. So, you know, usually I go over it with y'all on Fridays, but yeah, it doesn't have to just be about 49ers, which we did a good job last week, all right, but it can be about you know, any any game that's on. So, uh, Underdog Fantasy, download the app. Also, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com right now. And when you use my promo code, Croc, you'll get 20% off of everything that's on the Manscaped website. Right? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Get your right a little bit. Get your right. All right. But it's Friday, man. We getting into it. We getting y'all on here. We're talking about it. Everything that y'all want to talk about, we're getting into it this morning and as well. We are going to give our predictions. Does Kittle get 1,000 yards this season? Man, we got four games, and he has about 300 yards to get. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. The tough thing with George Kittle is you don't know how they're going to utilize him, and that's the craziest thing. You know, I argue with my buddies all the time, group text, and they're like, man, uh, Kelsey, he the best, he the best. And I'm like, man, like, yes, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. But Travis Kelsey is not the best tight end in the league. Like, if you just tell me for one game, I need Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, who can I have? And I can have any quarterback, I'm taking George Kittle. Now, if you want to say one guy definitely is healthier, uh, you know, he's always going to be on the field. If you want to count on his production from game to game because of who his quarterback is, then, yeah, man, I'm going, uh, I'm going with Travis Kelsey. But in the sense of, like, who I just think is just flat out better, come on, man, it's George Kittle. Think he's the best tight end in the game. All right, but anyways, man, I know that <laughs> a lot of y'all probably saw my picture. I just posted on Twitter. If you're not following me, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. And uh, my mother-in-law, she's pulling in to onto my property and uh, crashed into a ditch. <laughs> I don't even know how she did that, man. I don't know. But, yeah, she, she cut her turn too tight. Got crashed into a ditch, but then she gonna tell me, um, Eric, can you pull my car out the ditch? Like, but she talking about like me like push it out. She wanted me to push the car out the ditch. If you guys haven't seen it, go to my Twitter page. You'll see it on one of my most recent posts at Eric underscore Cracker on Twitter. Shoot that follow. Ask me questions. I get DMs all the time. I try to answer as many as I can. All right, 
but you know, the crazy thing with my DMs, I think most people look at me as a 49er content creator, but I have a lot of DMs from kids because I coach and train athletes as well. So, um, man, there's a lot that goes on in the DMs. It goes down in the DMs, but uh, I appreciate everybody with any type of interaction. Like I said, I'm going to put put the link in the chat early on for y'all. I appreciate everybody that has uh, contributed to the show. Also, everybody that contributed to the relief fund with uh, the Tornado Relief Fund with Northeast Arkansas. As you guys know, I am living in Arkansas, and Tornado ripped through the northeast part of Arkansas. Also, I think it touched Kentucky or something up, up in that way. Uh, we'll just keep this up top of the morning, everyone. Stay warm. It's hella cold outside. It's hella cold outside. It's, not, it's actually not that cold out here in Arkansas right now. But um, that's, so if you guys see the Hulk, Hulk, uh, Eric Hulk Crocker references, they're talking about me having to pull my mother-in-law's car out the ditch, which I would not be able to pull that car out the ditch. Somebody's going to have to come help with the uh, tractor trailer and all that type of stuff, which we have on this. So. Yeah, appreciate everybody that's in here. Hey, man, last night, right here, K-Dot. K-Dot, uh, Croc, what your wife did to the kitchen looks good, don't it? It does look good, huh? It does look good. It does. It uh, it was like this red, so she went through and did, did take all the cabinets out, had to take them all off, all the drawers, all that stuff. She spray painted all the handles, a matte black, did the whole kitchen white. Like, it does. It looks nice. It looks nice. She did her thing with that. Uh, what is hella cold in, in Arkansas? No, it can get cold. It can get cold. Last year, uh, around February or March, there was like this snowstorm that came through. It was like two degrees for like five straight days. So it is typically not cold like that. I compare it. It really feels like Stockton. So where I live in Arkansas, it feels more like Stockton, California. If y'all know anything about Stockton or like Central Valley, Modesto, Fresno, all that whole area, uh, Sacramento. It feels more like Stockton, but in the summer, it just gets way more humid. So if you can imagine like Stockton heat, but with like humidity behind it. So Arkansas feels like that in the summer. And then in the winter, it still feels more like Stockton, but I think it might be like a little colder sometimes. Like sometimes mornings would be like, you know, 30 degrees and it kind of stays like it could stay between 30 and, you know, 45, 48 degrees. Whereas like Stockton, it could start off cold, but then it kind of, you know, gets in the fifties or, or, you know, low sixties or whatever. So, uh, yeah. Who's Jaden Marshall from Stockton? Yeah. So Jaden Marshall, that's my little dog, man. Um, Jaden, his, his brother goes to Arizona state, uh, multi-sport athlete, football, basketball track. Uh, yeah. Brothers at Arizona state running track. Jaden Marshall, Jaden, he's committed to UCLA. And yeah, he's committed to UCLA. He's a receiver on the football field. You could tell when he runs, he has like the stride of a track guy. But uh, funny kid, funny kid. So yeah, that's that's who Jaden is. That's my dog. That that's my little homie right there. Funny, funny dude. He he played uh, on our seven on seven team. So yeah, Jay Marshall played on our seven on seven team. A lot of kids, man. Anybody that comes out of Stockton, usually I, I either know them or definitely know who they are. I've seen all these kids, especially through seven on seven and stuff like that, coaching them and all that. It's been so, it's been so dope. That's been the best thing, man, for to see all my kids that I coached in seven on seven getting out. You know what I'm saying? Like that, 
That is awesome. Like signing, you know, kids that I had in the seventh when they were in the seventh grade, eighth grade, and like just little bad little kid running around, and then to see them now. Uh, Jaden was one of the little bad little kids, but you ever met the Diaz brothers? Yeah, man, we from we both me and the Diaz brothers, man, we from Northside Stockton. You feel me? So um, I have met Diaz brothers. Um, I I don't I never really met them around. I went to school with one, but uh, Tokyo High School, but it wasn't. Um, he like dropped out or something, and you know it wasn't like. Oh, that's the Diaz brother right there. You know what I'm saying? When we was in high school, it was like, okay, like you, you don't really know. You know, he wasn't playing football or nothing. So, you know what I'm saying? How I'm supposed to know who this dude is. So um, yeah, you know, Stockton. Uh, we but we all from North Side Stockton. We went to high school in Lodi Co. We from the same exact area. And how they have it in Stockton, when you live deep north side, uh, when I was growing up, they bust you to Toke High School. Uh, now they build a high school out there at McNair, so we would have all went to McNair. Me, the Diaz brothers, we would have went to McNair. Nah, man, nah, man, I ain't from no townhomes, man. Forty-four hundred. Nah, I'm from twenty-four hundred, North Side. Come on, man, stop playing. But yeah, I know townhomes. Speaking of townhomes, and we're gonna get to Forty Nine to talk. Speaking of townhomes, uh, a dude from townhomes, forty-four, forty-four G's. Matter of fact, Brandon Cooks, he's from that area. Uh, Brandon Cooks, yeah, he's from he's from that area. He should put it on his cleats. But there was a dude, uh, man, what's his name? Dude went viral. He went viral for the, uh, for the, uh, he like a model. He was uh, like posing or whatever. Not posing, like they they took his mugshot and all the girls loved him. So he was a real like crip from, you know what I'm saying? He's from the north side from uh, townhomes. And uh, I almost say what he was. He's from townhomes and like had this mugshot. Everybody loved him. And now he's like hella, like he dates, he he's supermodel. Like it was like he got out of jail. He's like a supermodel. And then now he's married to this chick. They just had a kid. Like she's a billionaire. Like that's the craziest story I've ever seen. <laughs> and she said, you already, you already know. You already know, man. You already know. We're about to get to the 49ers talk. I appreciate everybody that's in here. Uh, everybody that's in the chat. Shout out to all my Stocktonians, you feel me? Jeremy Meeks, that's that, yeah. Jeremy Meeks, my homie know him, yeah. He's from over there. He's from, he was from over there. <laughs> he he came up, came up, you know what I'm saying? But you look at his profile, it's saying too, like, he was NSGC, you know what I'm saying? So, that's funny, man. But anyways, man, let's talk about 49ers, you already know what it is. I want to hear you guys come on, give your thoughts. Talk about all that. Hey, tell Jesse, should I get Jesse on before I get the fans on? Jesse, do you want to come in here? If you want to come on, Jesse, and just have a little conversation, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so, you know. Come on, Jesse. If so, or Aponte, Aponte, Aponte or Jesse, or both. Aponte, Jesse, y'all want to come on, man? I'll shoot, I'll shoot y'all the links. Y'all will come on first. We'll get your guys' thoughts on this game, because everybody's been listening to me all week. I didn't have any guests on. All right, Jesse, the, the, the DM is coming. All right. Also, Jesse, uh, he kind of punked me into telling them who who was uh, – Jesse Jesse punked punk me into to telling him who the, the, the guest is coming on. 
Here we go. All right, both of y'all should receive the DMs now to come on. This is cool because, you know, to not have to talk by yourself the whole time. We got a round table coming on. Shout out to my, my guy, Rich. He put this together. He said, man, you guys, you got to get those guys on. So they're coming on. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. You already know what it is, man. This is San Francisco 49ers morning, morning show. I should call it the radio show because that's what I feel like this is. I feel like a radio DJ. I feel like a radio DJ. Get my guys on. I sent the invite, so they should be coming on any second now. Get their thoughts on this game. The good, the bad, the ugly. Get their predictions. Then get the fans on. Listen to what y'all got to say. Let's go. I should change the title because 49ers fan Friday, nobody really like tunes into that. But if I were to put like Jimmy Garoppolo sucks, everybody would tune in. I'd have 200 people in here. But when they see Fan Friday, they just kind of stay away. Here we go. Got my guy Ponte on. Ponte, what's good, man? How you doing this morning? What's, what's up, bro? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. Today's Spider-Man Day, so I'm doing nerd shit all day today. I'm on my way to the movie theater and everything. So I'm glad I got a chance to tap in real quick, though, so we could talk football. I know I was supposed to be on the other day, but I uh, was doing some things with the, the little one. But I uh, got to get to Spider-Man now before people spoil that shit, man. Oh yeah, all good. Oh, real quick, uh, my my guy, my guy, crazy said, "What hoodie is that?" All right, and um, sometimes I'll go on Twitter and I'll ask guys to uh, like, "Hey, if you know somebody that has a clothing line or something like that, I could support." You're like, you know, hey, hit me with a link and I'll buy a hoodie, I'll buy a t-shirt, whatever. And I bought I bought this hoodie, and it says, uh, "Run for run for uh, touchdowns, not cover." So yeah, run for touchdowns, not for cover. And it's for the uh, the kids. So, uh, yeah, somebody had an organization. Hoodies was only 25 bucks. I definitely went and copped one. So, yeah, I, I like to do that sometimes throughout the year. Uh, go and, 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 you know, just support someone's brand and whatnot. This is worth the price of admission. <laughs> Shout Thanks, out to Richard, man. man. Thanks, What's Rich. up, buddy? Yeah, we're waiting on Jesse. Jesse's loading up right now. Croc, let me ask you, man. Did you, uh, did you lift that car? Um, completely out the ditch yourself, like just like two arms. Oh man, like, I just, just like, and I just I squatted down, got in a good <laughs> squat stance, mm, uh, lifted it up, tossed it to the side. Now nah, it's still sitting over there in the. In the uh, Bro, why the is that the first right thing? Why is that the first thing when I open Twitter? I seen that and, and it, yo, and then like your response to like, what am I to hope to get that out, man? That shit had me crying. Well, when she said it, I'm just thinking. When she first told me, I'm thinking like, I'm just gonna be able to push it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, okay, I can get down. Okay, let me push you. Like, you don't have a big car. You got this little ass car. Like, all right. And then when I saw it, and it's like right, like dug into the corner, and I'm like, I'm not pulling that out. Like, what do I look like, the Hulk? Like, what are we doing? So, yeah, that's dead, bro. Like, uh, the car, uh, we, we're getting it out, though. We are going to get it out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's still in there for sure. All right, man. I got my guy, Jesse, and I got my guy, Jason Aponte. Both, oh, my bad. That was an accident. I meant to click down the super chat. Both of my guys have their own platforms on social media, on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Jesse Aponte. I mean, J J Jesse Aponte. <laughs> That's Jason a mixture Aponte. right there. Yeah. Right. Jason Aponte has a Sprint Right podcast. Sprint Right Option podcast is on YouTube. Make sure you guys go tune into that as well. We got Jesse. He has Last Second Sports. He's talking 49ers as well. So make sure you guys tune into both of those guys' platforms. They do an amazing job. I tune in. 
I have my notifications set. So anytime they go live, I'm able to pop in at any time. I appreciate both of you guys coming on spur of the moment. Yeah, you invited me, I think, last week, and I wasn't able to make it. So happy I was able to make it this time. And you know, I right, got so, you. And then this is this is dope to do this with Jesse, too. Like, you know, we have a bunch of people on here now. So this is good, man. We're going to bounce some ideas off each other. I'm excited. Yes, sir. Awesome. So so first, I want to ask you, Jesse, you know, 49ers versus Falcons. If, if I were to tell you 49ers won 31-13, what exactly did the 49ers do? to win in that fashion? Well, I think one thing that they would have done is continue to force multiple turnovers. That's a trend that the 49ers have had over the last five games. You look at, at the way that the season started, Croc, there was multiple games where they got zero turnovers. I think they forced like two turnovers over the first six games, something something minimal like that. But over the last five games, they forced multiple turnovers. So that'd be the first thing that I would look at is the turnover battle. How many turnovers did they force versus how many did they give up? Are they protecting the football and are they taking the football away? That would be the biggest thing. Are are you one that believes that for the 49ers to win this game, and I'll ask you, Jason, are you one to believe that for the 49ers to win this game, they have to run the ball a certain amount of times? Or do you think, like, nah, they, they can win in multiple ways. That's just more of the ideal way to win. Yeah, they can absolutely win in multiple ways. I mean, when you look at the Falcons, they're dead last in pass rush. And that lends itself to the fact that we obviously know A.J. Terrell is one of the highest graded quarterbacks, right? And he's doing a phenomenal job. And Leo put out a stat talking about where he's graded. And he, put, he pointed out that pass rush has not been covering him up. He's been very good. But at the same time, um, you don't really have to worry about this Falcons team, in my opinion. I mean, I just – I don't know how they got to six wins, technically. Like, really, like, when I realistically watched them, I have no idea how they won six games. But that's the league, right? So the 49ers don't have to have some – 40, 40 pass attempts, keep the ball out of Jimmy's hands. If they don't commit turnovers, if they play their game, Jimmy will complete enough passes. They can win in multiple ways, man. I really like this is not a letdown game, in my opinion. There's no way this is a trap game, especially because a trap game for me. And I, I've heard you say this before, Croc, is, is a nine and three team facing a six and seven team or something like that. This is a seven and six team facing a six and seven team. Handle your business. Like there's no there's no trap game here. Like don't just handle your business. All right, so Jesse, I have a question for you. There, the 49ers are in the midst of a playoff run right now. You know, with Jimmy Garoppolo starting that quarterback there at seven and five. Why do you think that there is so much pushback on Jimmy Garoppolo? And and really between the fans, there are some people that are way over here or some that are way over here in the sense of what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Yeah, well, I think it's twofold, Croc. You've got you've got a rookie that's waiting in the wings right? A, a player that most of us are excited about. We want to see this guy play. So the fact that he's not playing and we're seeing every other rookie play and develop in front of our eyes, that's going to put pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo to play well. And every time he doesn't, people are going to talk about it. And then the other thing is the money he makes. He makes a lot of money. I think he's top five in, in paid quarterbacks for just this season, right? You got Mahomes who got the big contract, but he, but he pushed some of that money back. So he's not getting paid near as much. And some of these guys that are making a lot less than him are producing at a much higher level than he is. And so anytime that you have that scenario, you're going to have that happen. And, and I think the last thing, Croc, is for me, when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, 2019, this team had a dominant run game and a dominant defense. This year, that is not the case. Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, is the same exact player that he was in 2019. However, 
this team is a lot more reliant on him than what they were in 2019. So you're seeing mediocre quarterback play, right? Which means there are times where he plays really well, but there are times that he doesn't play so well. And with that, what's happening is because the team is relying on him, you're seeing mediocre team play. In 2019, they could make it through that play. Whether he played great or not, that team could win because they could run the ball and they could play defense. That is not necessarily the case this year. And so when he is not playing great, you see those glaring weaknesses a lot more. And when he is playing well, you see that a lot more as well. So there's three things that that play into that, in my opinion. Right, right, right. And, you know, Jason, what are kind of some of your thoughts on that? You know, you, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, and again, the, the, the fans are kind of really split, and he's a topic of discussion every week. And I went on there yesterday and told people, every team, if you, it doesn't matter what the fan base is. The quarterback is typically the topic of discussion, at least to start, and then they kind of move on from there. When it comes to the case of Jimmy Garoppolo, a, a quarterback who most people are kind of confused or conflicted with what he is, you know, everybody's on all different sides of it. So what side do you lie on, Jason, when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo and, and what he is as a quarterback for the 49ers? I mean, honestly, you know, obviously I was somebody who wanted Justin Fields, right? I wanted uh, the rookie to start. So when Lance was, was added, I said, okay, just, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and run with the kid, right? But obviously I don't know better than Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle Shanahan, I, you know, we talked about it a bunch. He is feeling the pressure in terms of he needs to make the playoffs right now. A lot of people are talking about results, 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 okay? You know, you're in your fifth season, you've only made the playoffs once. So obviously he felt that Jimmy Garoppolo gave him the best chance to win. And obviously there's the locker room dynamic that we talked about when, when it comes to that. In terms of, like, where I fall on what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo, man, there are moments where obviously there's those interception, you know, possible interceptions that happen. And then he does things like those last two drives at the end of the game that I think accentuates a lot of people's anger when it comes to my bad, bro. My bad. My bad. Bro. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of what accentuates that, that conversation is the inconsistencies. Right. And, and that's what gets people upset for every time it is one of those throws that you're like, Oh my God, what was that? He'll just come out and he'll light it up like for the last two drives, like in Cincinnati. So it's really, it's really strange, right? Everybody has their opinion. Everybody has the way that they feel. They think the rookie should play. I was one of those people, but I gave that up pretty quickly. Like when I got to camp and we started like hearing what people are saying. And the one thing that Kyle Shanahan has been consistent on is Jimmy's our starter until, until he's not. And until it's um, time for, it's time that they're mathematically eliminated right now, they're in a playoff spot. So I, it's, it's, for the people that want to see Trey, it's tough for me to sit there and say, you know, give it up. But it's almost at a point where it's just like, mathematically, how many games are left? You're not going to see Trey Lance at this point. Like, it's just, it is what it is. And, you know, just set your eyes to next year because he's going to be the guy. I think I that's do good... think that they'll see, I do think we'll see Trey Lance. And I think we'll see Trey Lance week 18 when everything is wrapped up. The 49ers probably won't be able to move up or down in the seating and Trey Lance to get the start, and Jimmy will get ready for the playoffs. So I do think, you know, that will be a time where we get to see Trey Lance for a full game and kind of see the things that he's been working on and how he's kind of been developing, and hopefully he puts forth an effort that is, you know, gives us confidence moving forward that, okay, we see he's heading in the right direction, that will be the guy ultimately. As a playoff team, and I want to get to you first, Jesse, when you look at the 49ers, and where they are right now and kind of some of their ups and downs. How confident are you in this team as, as a playoff team? Because I, I, I strongly believe, I believe right now, 
it's it's slightly above 70% with them making the playoffs. If they win this game, it shoots up to like 95%. All right. So we're going to talk about this team as a playoff team because essentially that's what they are right now. Um, heading into the playoffs first round, they'll likely have to play a Tampa or Dallas or maybe even Arizona again. You know, so when you look at it from that standpoint, how do you think the 49ers match up with certain teams in the NFL or in the NFC? Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, Tampa's really the one matchup that I want no part of. I mean, selfishly, I want to see it because I live 20 minutes from that stadium. But I just don't think that's a good matchup for them. Across the board, that is, on paper, a horrible matchup. They can win the game. Anything can happen any given Sunday. But that's the one that I want to avoid. The rest of them, I really feel like the 49ers can win those games. The problem is, I'm not going to feel confident about any of them. Because the 49ers are outgunned at the most important position in football, which is the quarterback position. It doesn't matter who you play. You're going to face a Dak Prescott, an Aaron Rodgers, a Kyler Murray, a Matt Stafford, a Tom Brady. No matter the, however you slice that, they do not, they, they're not better at that, at that position, which is the most important in football. So they're going to have to do other things really well. They're going to have to protect the football. They're going to have to stay committed to the run game. Things are going to have to go dang near perfect in some of those scenarios for the 49ers to win. Can they win those games? Yes. Do I expect them to win those games? Absolutely not. And what, what about you? I'll ask you the same question. Jason, before I get you out, I know Jason's on the road right now. So I'll ask you the same question, then get you out of here. What, what do you think? How do you think the 49ers match up against these other teams in the sense of really being able to, you know, outduel them in the most important time of the year? Yeah, I guess you can call me the optimist, the guy who is looking at things, you know, glass half full, um, you know, like type thing. But here's the thing. In terms of why you, it's important for you to just make the dance is you never know. Yeah, you, put on, you never know when what teams are going to be looking like. Right. We just had DeAndre Hopkins get pushed out for the year. OK. And I know that he may be back for the playoffs. Right. And I agree with everything that Jesse said. Right. Obviously, they're outdueled this in terms of quarterback. But if the 49ers can control the clock, play good defense, turn the ball over, and and keep the offense on the other side of the field, and in a one-game playoff, obviously anything can happen. So when you look at maybe the Cardinals can slide a little bit now in seeding, right, now that DeAndre Hopkins isn't there. Maybe maybe DeAndre Hopkins isn't as effective as he was when, before the injury, right? And that that's something that happens. With the Packers, who knows how healthy they're going to be. What if the 49ers get Emmanuel Mosley back in time for the playoffs and he's effective? What if um, what if Arden Key gets hot, right? Like things like that. So that's why in terms of I understand people's hesitance in saying, well, we're going to make the playoffs and for what? To, to not win a Super Bowl. But the idea is you have to crawl before you walk and you have to be able to get into the dance. You can't hate from outside the club, right? Ask, ask many of those Giants teams. And I know that that's been floated around and I don't want to I don't want to like, you know, to, to put it out there, Jesse, I know you did a show with Grant talking about it, right? The parallels between the fact that the Giants were a wild card team, but they got hot at the right time and their defense had a large reason to do with that, right? The pass rush got ferocious and all of a sudden they made just enough plays to win games. And I'm not trying to sell anybody this like glimmer of hope or anything like that, but the idea should always to be get in the dance, man, and then figure out from there because you never know four weeks down the line who's going to be injured, who's going to have COVID, or who's going to be on the list at this point. There's so many things moving right now in the NFL that to sit there and say making the playoffs, I don't want to do that just to make it. You have to do one thing, one foot in front of the other, make the playoffs, and then you see what, who, what you get on the other side, who, what the Packers look like, what Dallas looks like. Dallas is struggling right now. 
What if all of a sudden they, they continue to struggle, right? Like these last two games, they haven't looked great. And I think Denver has kind of showed a little bit of how to slow them down. They ran a bunch of man match against them, and that's Fangio. People are going to lift that and use those things. So as we go on, we don't know where guys are going to be, what teams are going to be at four weeks down the line, and where this team will be. So for right now, win the games, get in the playoffs, and then we'll we'll figure it out when we get there against whatever opponent. That's a fact. I like it. I like it. All right, I'm going to get you out of here now, Ponte. I'm going to move right, on a little bad, bit bro. with, I didn't, mean to with be, I didn't mean to be like that with you or whatever. Like, you know, I just – I. Oh, no, you're on the move, man. No, nah, it was last second, man. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, bro. And shout out to everybody in the chat. You know, I appreciate all the love and everything. And, yeah, Spring Red Option tonight. We're going to be breaking down Spider-Man. We ain't going to be talking no no 49ers today or anything like that. <laughs> so, I guess I got to go see Spider-Man, too. I got to go yeah. see Yeah. No, no, no. We ain't talking. I'm not going to do the spoilers. I'm not doing the spoilers, man. I'm not going to do the spoilers. But I definitely got to get out there because, yo, like, I opened up YouTube to, like, watch your show and then the suggested. It's already a Spider-Man spoiler, like right there, my suggested video. It's oh, like, one, and man. I was like, I, yo, I had to close it out real fast, man. So uh, yeah, I got to get this done. But uh, shout out to you, Croc. Appreciate you, Jesse. Always a pleasure, bro. And shout out Absolutely. to everybody in the chat showing love, man. I, I'll uh, I'll tap in with y'all soon. All right, my dog. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. What? Oh, they can't see your name. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold show on, the name. On, show on. the name. I was I was waiting for you to show the name. I just peeped that. I just peeped that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's oh, God, man. Yo, that's Smith, funny. man, you might as well just run with it. Everybody always, <laughs> everybody's always saying, "Yo, you, yo." Like I posted a video last night on IG, you know, making fun of Mitch Wisnowski, right? And I thought it was pretty funny. And and like I wake up this morning, there's a comment: "All the Grant's disciples turn into him." <laughs> yeah, and, into, and I want, yo, I I started to type out this long ass response, and I was like, man, I was like, I'm just gonna go on Spider Man. I was like, I don't not worth it. it. Not yeah. even worth it. Like I wanted to tell him, I'm not Grant's disciple, you dummy like I, I have my own thing and i go and it's like i'm just like whatever bro i'm done with this but yeah, you can't I, have it you can't have a take without being the next grant cone or whatever it's so ridiculous i hate that's it that's it man grant upon they just lean into it bro lean in bro <laughs> all right all right grant upon man i'll see you all right Croc. Later, later man i think we do get a lot of people pushing back on the thoughts of making the postseason just to, you know, get booted out, right? And they make sure. that a focal point of their argument in the sense of why 49ers shouldn't. But I will say this, and anyone you've talked to that has either played in the playoffs or has been there and witnessed it, it's a totally di different atmosphere. The butterflies for a lot of these guys is different. This The speed of the game is different. So I would say this as a benefit of, let's say the 49ers hypothetically go to the playoffs and get bounced out right away. The benefit of it is, Gaining that playoff experience, right? What's one of the things that pop up with a team that's super inexperienced? They'll put up all the guys that have never played in the playoffs, yeah. right? Yep. They'll be like, oh, is, this is new for this guy, this guy, all these different guys, right? The 49ers, they, you know, they go to the playoffs. That's some really good experience for a lot of young guys, whether they win or lose. Now, hopefully, we're hoping they win. And I've seen it in the chat. See guys like this right here. Uh, Jets Gang says, I'd rather be the 2007 Giants. And yeah. No, the 2007 Giants, or even the Giants after that, I believe. 2011, same, yeah. The, who? One year, my guy Will Blackman was on, so I think that was the 2011 Giants. Will Blackman talked about it. At one point in that year, they lost five straight games, and they really backed into the playoffs as a wild card team, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I might, I don't think I'm alone on this, but I don't think Eli Manning is good like that. So for Eli to, you know, I don't think that Eli is just better than Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I think Eli had terrific playoff performances twice in his 17-year career that may push him to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is crazy because when you just watch Eli Manning, I don't know if he was, I don't think he was better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So when I look at that in the sense of if he's able to do it, I get it. They leaned a lot on that defense. That defense was really good. The offense, obviously, you know, he had good performances in the playoffs, but I don't think it's just as simple as at hey, the 49ers, like they go, but they're just going to get their butts kicked. I think once you get into the dance, man, it's zero zero. And I think that's what we're probably expecting. What, what do you say about that? Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, the Giants, the Eli Manning thing, I, I don't necessarily disagree. Oh, man, we we lost Croc. I'm the whole host. This is crazy. Uh, but no, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that once you're in, anything can happen. There's there's no doubt about that. The difference is with the 2011 Giants, like that's the team that most people want to draw parallels to when it comes to this 49er team. And for me, the 2011 Giants had one thing going in their favor, and that was that they forced a lot of turnovers. You look at the course of that season for them, they only had one game during the regular season where they forced zero turnovers. And when you look at that run that they made, the final two games of the regular season and then all the games into the playoffs, they won the turnover battle 12 to 2. That's very, very significant. And so that right there is, is that's what the staple of that team was. They had a dominant defensive line. The 49ers, to me, are still trying to find who they are. And, and can they be a, a dominant run game? Is the defensive line getting better? Yes, all those things are true. But they still don't have that one thing that you can say, this is what they're dominant at. And so that's that's what's hard to me when you have a quarterback that is mediocre or middling or whatever, like the Giants had in Eli Manning, well, they had a go-to. They had a dominant defensive line that could take over games, and they forced a lot of turnovers. And Eli, for as bad as he was at times, he could also throw up a 450-yard game out of nowhere. And we haven't seen that in Jimmy's bag. So, you know, yes, I think getting to the dance is important. Uh, Jason brought it up early on. He said something about, you know, Shanahan needs to win, and I agree with that. You know, Shanahan, as much as, as his future relies on Trey Lance, He's looking at it saying, okay, I have three losing seasons in four years. Whether he's on the hot seat or not is completely irrelevant for Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan is a competitor, and Shanahan wants to win. There is no way that Shanahan wants to look at this season and say, well, you know, I have four losing seasons in five years. He's a competitor. He wants to win, and he's going to do everything he can to do so. And if he thinks Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is the best chance to do that, then that's what he's going to do, whether I agree with it or not. Man, I just cracked the screen to my my uh, <laughs> my iPad. That's why oh, I went no. away for a second. I was trying to zoom in. I'm from behind. I'm trying to zoom in a little bit, and then it flipped over and hit the hardwood floor and cracked the dang screen. So uh, that's why I was like, damn. And then, yeah, but anyways, um, I'll get that fixed. Uh, people are living in La La Land. I'm not an Eli pom-pom guy, but come on. He was head and shoulders above Jimmy about uh or head and shoulders better than what jimmy is i i may be alone on this but i just don't think i don't i don't think eli manning is good like you know what i'm saying like i think he had these playoff moments listen he played 17 years in the nfl 17 years two of those years he he only won playoff games in two of those years now in those two years he won the super bowl 
and he had a good throw down the stretch. Now, if you want to say when it mattered most in the big moment and they needed a throw, he made that play. And I would say that's what Jimmy Garoppolo has not been for us, right? He has not made that play that the 49ers need. And I talk to people all the time about it. Like, they're like, well, this and that. And if Kyle would have did this, it's like, listen, at the end of the day, you need a quarterback that stops the bleeding. Like, just make a play. However you got to do it, whatever that looks like. And Eli did that. One, the one throw where the guy caught the ball on his helmet, where he, uh, you know, he like, you know, Eli spun in circles, threw a guy off of him, threw the ball up. He caught on his head. The other one down the left sideline to Manningham, which was a beautiful throw. He had these throws that it was like, all right, like we're going to win because of that. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo and the opportunities to have to just make a play, he didn't do it. And it kind of started coming back a little bit against the, the, the Bengals where it's like, man, Jimmy, we need you to make that, that one play. And, and he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. And the game ended up going into overtime when I don't feel like it had to. So that's definitely one thing I keep an eye on, or I'd say is the biggest difference, but in the sense of just play to play, like down to down, I don't think Eli Manning was good. So that's kind of why I come off like that. And it's not in the sense of me living in La La Land, but. We had this talk, I, I think, on a, a spaces during the offseason. Hey, hold on, hold on, Jesse. Part of it. Real quick, yeah. while you're talking, I'm going to switch cameras. So keep talking. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Go away. Um, yeah, yeah. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I mean, we we had this talk on a, on a spaces. And I think, um, you know, Chris is always in the chat. He was a part of it. And I think Chris was on the Eli Manning side. He's like, hey, listen, you know, I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer or what have you. But Eli Manning really was not that good. I mean, let's let's go through it real quick. Career 60% completion percentage. Now, to me, completion percentage is probably the most overrated stat that there is. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo, right? High completion percentage. I think he's fairly inaccurate at times. There are times where he completes passes, but he doesn't lead his receivers, and so he leaves a ton of yards on the field sometimes. Not necessarily the most accurate, but his completion percentage is high. So I can say, hey, you know, maybe his completion percentage wasn't the highest. All right, let's look past that. But he only eclipsed 30 touchdowns. I mean, in a long career, he got to 30 three times. His completion percentage was low. His touchdown to, to INT ratio was low. He wasn't throwing for a ton of yards. I mean, you know, he did have a season where he got near 5K, whatever. But outside of that, it was a bunch of 3,400, 3,300, 3,800. Like, very, very similar. So, you know, if if Jimmy were to have a 15-year career and stay healthy, I, I think you would actually see a lot of similarities. I think Jimmy would be slightly more efficient as far as some of those numbers go. But, you know, not a ton of touchdowns, not a ton of yards. It's just kind of who they are. I think – I don't think Crocs that far off in saying that they're pretty similar as far as overall what they bring to the table – Eli would have times where he would throw a ton of turnovers and it wasn't just early in his career. He had, you know, 10 years into his career. So a, a 25 interception year, a 27 interception year. So he, he could, you know, things could snow pile on Eli pretty, pretty quickly. So I, I don't think you're that far off crock. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it, it comes off as weird when you hear it because I think most people when they hear Eli Manning, they attach it to Peyton Manning and right they attach it to Super Bowl wins. And like like a guy, our guy Rico here, he says, Eli won Super Bowls, case closed. And it's like, he won two Super Bowls, not just a Super Bowl, he won two. And it's like, I, I, I get you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get it. But I don't look at anything. And this is one thing you guys should, probably should know about me by now. 
I don't look at anything as one like individual moment or play or other. You know what I'm saying? I look at everything as a whole. So when we're talking about cornerbacks, I don't say because a cornerback gets beat for two touchdowns in the game that he can't play cornerback because I look at that as two plays out of 70. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look at it in the sense of, like, all right, like, what is he doing on a consistent basis throughout this entire game? So when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, okay, he had two plays that he would like back, but I thought he played well in all these other areas. Look at this. Like, this is good how he did this here or did that there. So that's how I look at things. So when I look at Eli Manning, I don't look at it as he's great because he won two Super Bowls. I look at it as through 17 years, he was fairly pedestrian outside of two great playoff runs and really taking down a juggernaut. And that was a great moment. But also, you know, football is a team sport. And it's it's not just him. It definitely made some throws to contribute to that for sure. And I'll never take that away from him. Those are great moments. And if you want to send him to the Hall of Fame and say he's better than Jimmy because he made two great throws, <laughs> what was a great catch, but he had two great moments, then okay, I, I got you. But in the sense of who he is, like on a week-to-week, game-to-game basis, I was never scared of Eli Manning, ever, ever. Yeah, I, I, I agree Eli with that. Manning, I was never worried about him. I agree with that. But Rico, you, you can't say Eli won two Super Bowls case closed because you're probably the same guy, much like me, that says, well, Jimmy has a winning record. That doesn't mean a lot. Like you, you can't have it both ways, right? Because when somebody comes at you with a, with a Jimmy stat and says, yo, this is this is his record. It's a winning record. You're like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. It's a quarterback. You know, wins is not a quarterback stat. And then in the next breath, say, well, Eli won Super Bowl's case closed. So, you know, I, and I'm not saying that's I don't know what your stance is, but I got to imagine that's probably pretty close to what it is when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. And so that's just, you know, it, it is what it is. You, you can't have both sides of the argument because, you know, if if Eli won the Super Bowls, well, Jimmy also wins games and he's been to a Super Bowl. So. All right. Now. Real quick, and then I'll, I'll get you out of here, and we'll start to get the uh, the fans on. Or do you want to answer some of the fans with me? They come on, and you, you want. Yeah, I got I got about a fifteen minutes in in me before I got to get back to doing some actual. All right, work. here we go. So he got till nine thirty my time. All right, so <laughs> here's the here's the chat. You guys can come on. Y'all can talk. I'm really mad. I just cracked my. <laughs> that would be hot. Oh my god. Oh man, I got to get that fixed. But anyways. So there's a chat. You guys feel free to come on. If you haven't already, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Got my guy Jesse. He rocking with me for the next 15 minutes. Underdog Fantasy. Oh, I'm not even over there right now. But Underdog Fantasy, <laughs> make sure you guys download the app. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of fantasy stuff later on. But here we go. I got the first person coming on. I got my guy Dion. Dion, what's good this morning? How you doing? Hey, what's happening with you, Crocky? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Can't, and, and, can't complain. And... And to the special guest, um, I know I know your name. I cannot remember your name right now, dog. But it's I watch Jesse. You. It's Jesse. What's Jesse, up? Young? There it is. What's going on, brother? How you doing? What's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. How are you? Uh, hey, man. I'm alive. You know, can't be can't can't complain after that, man. So I heard y'all talk about Eli here, man. Let me tell you, the only pass that Eli made that actually um, that he made was the Mario Manningham pass. That pass to David Tyree, if you watch the replay, that was a that was a hope and a prayer, and Jesus answered in the form <laughs> of David Tyree. He, I'm telling you, he was about to get sacked, and he got pulled, and then he just chucked the ball. Watch the replay if y'all ain't seen him. I'm telling you, he chucked that ball, and that was all David Tyree. 
you know, like um, I, I look at it in certain situations and I give credit to, you know, the person that made the play rather than the person who threw the ball unless it was accurate. Like uh, that that play where we won the Cincinnati game, that was Brandon IU. Jimmy ain't do nothing special. He did what he normally does. He threw oh, to the ball. Hold on, hold on, hold <clears> on. <throat> it, was, it was a good job by Jimmy. It, it was a good job at Jimmy because Jimmy was rolling left and he couldn't even, like, get his full body around. So he kind of, like, is rolling left and kind of, like, flicked it. Like, it was a good job for him to put the ball, like, with how his feet weren't set, body wasn't right, and he was able to get that hips around, like, flick the ball in there and hit Ayuk in a, in a spot to where he didn't have to slow down or anything. Like, that did contribute to a touchdown. So, again, I'm, you know, I I'm not a, you know, Go no, Jimmy, I understand. Not, but I will no, say, I, like, I, I you, you got to give him a little credit for that. Like, just for, it him. was a, it was high difficulty in the sense of giving Ayuk the ball in a position to where he could catch and run without, without having to slow down at all. I'll get, I'll give him that much credit because he made a play where he didn't have to really slow down at all. But the touchdown don't happen if Ayuk don't have them long ass arms and stretch out to get it over the pylon. Period. Like for me. You know, and, and and coming into this game, I, I put it in the comments. Matt Ryan actually has more interceptions than Jimmy Garoppolo. He has 11. Garoppolo only has eight. Now, mind you, there's a ton of drops. And one was in the Cincinnati game um, that would have put him, you know, at Matt Ryan. So, technically speaking, the only thing Matt Ryan has over Jimmy Garoppolo is yardage. And he's only maybe 100 or 200 yards ahead of him. So, going into this Falcons game, um, you know, we're we're not really facing, you know, Matty Ice, I don't give him that title anymore because he ain't been Matty Ice for years. You know, he he's he's regressed, and you don't have Calvin Ridley. All we have to do really is stop Cordero Patterson and Russell Gage. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Kyle Pitts is a good tight end. He he, you know, he's still a rookie. He's coming, you know, coming along in the league. He leads them uh, in receiving yardage, but uh, you know, uh, it, it <clears throat> honestly, when I look at it, Cordero for them is is Debo. You know, he runs, he catches, he does all those things. Um, and then their defense is super suspect. It's not a game where you want to sleep on them, but I'm saying right now, like, we should be able to destroy this defense. The leading stack person is Dante Fowler Jr. with four and a half. Nick Bosa has 12. And we've got several other players that got just as much as Dante Fowler. So if they're smart, they'll do what every other team does, attack the right side of the offensive line with Tom Compton and his worthless self. And they'll probably use Daniel Brunskill like a turnstile because sometimes he gets beat. But, I mean, you know, for me, you know, the one thing Eli could do is say, hey, I had to go out and win both my Super Bowls. I didn't have one handed to me, you know, because I'm sorry. It, it, there's no way. There's no – I will always believe this. There's no way in hell that Cam Newton went in that Super Bowl and played that horrible and – you know, Peyton Manning, who was not that good that year. You could tell. He didn't have the same zip on the ball. There was just something off about him. And no, he was you bad. Go he was bad. Bowl. He was bad. That defense led them to that Super Bowl. He rolled them he all the benched. way there. He got benched that year for, yeah. uh, was it Paxton Lynch or somebody? Or Brock Osweiler? I think it was I Brock believe... because they paid Brock. And then they traded yeah. him, obviously. And I believe he had like 10 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. He was throwing multiple pick sixes. Yeah, he was shot. Yeah, it was definitely was bad. Yeah, Jesse, how, how do you feel about this Falcons game real quick before I get out of here? 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think that this is a, a game that the 49ers definitely should win. And one thing about Matt Ryan, too, is they have trouble protecting Matt Ryan. And the 49ers defensive line is coming on. I really think that they can cause problems on that side of the ball. And I agree with you. I think that it comes down to limiting the big plays from Cordero Patterson. You know, if I look at it, it's it's Debo versus Patterson. Which one can make the bigger play? And that one could be the difference. I think the Falcons can put up points for sure. But at the same time, I'm not afraid of the Falcons by any means. I do think the nine and a half points is rather large, though. I, I don't know if I would take the Niners with that nine and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a gambling man, so I don't understand spreads and how they work and all that stuff. So um, for me, it, it's, it's a little bit different. But I, I do feel like we should win this game, and I feel like we should win this game handily. You know, our, we have a better offensive line, even though the right side is a little suspect. We do have a better offensive line. We do have the better offensive weapons, and we definitely have a better defense. You know, it, it, it just – everything says we should win – but the one thing that I'm afraid of is I feel sometimes like when we play them that Matt Ryan is inside Kyle Shanahan's head and he knows like he understands and knows his tendencies. You know, I'm pretty sure he's standing there talking to the D coordinator. Hey, if he gets in this situation, he's going to go here or he likes to do this. These are his tendencies. These, these are the things that he does. So this is what you should do with your players to be able to do that. And I guarantee you, as a defensive coordinator, you definitely want to take that into account from somebody who has been with the person and understands them. It just makes sense. You know, you don't brush them off like, I got this. I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so. Don't worry about that. It's like, no, nah, man, give me all the information you can give me. Feed me all the knowledge so I can go ahead and look at it on tape, understand what you're saying, and apply it in the game. But I appreciate you for having me on, Jesse. Always good to see you, brother. Always a great show whenever whenever you do your own thing. Crocky, you know I got nothing but love for you, baby. Let me know when that merch comes out. Y'all stay blessed. Let's go out here and kick these Falcons' ass, man. We can't let these birds come in here and fly fly over the stadium and fly high. We got to go ahead and get them muskets out from when we were old 49ers, <laughs> mining for gold and popping. <laughs> yes, sir. I love it. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks. All right, real quick, I did want to get to this question. All right, so we got Trey said, but think about it. Eli really never had great weapons. He had the Ghost of Plaxico Burris, uh, Old Amani Tumor, Victor Cruz for one year. What if Eli had Debo and Kittle? I got to – first of all, he had Odell Beckham. And we're talking about prime Odell Beckham that was breaking records, right? And everybody was like, damn, even Eli's holding Odell back. You know, remember when, 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 Eli, when Odell left, people were like, oh, Odell finally got a good quarterback. That's what people were saying, right? Yeah. So uh, Odell had amazing years with him. If you want to talk about, you know, great weapons. But he also had some really good weapons. You look at, I looked at uh, 2011. 2011, both Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz both went over 1,000 yards. Hakeem Nix actually almost 1,200. Hakeem Nix, multi, multiple 1,000-yard uh, seasons. I want to say, was Jeremy Shockey in there with? Uh, yeah. With Eli yeah, Manning, I think so. he also yeah. had guys like Martellus Bennett. So I can't. And, and then also they had like a three-headed monster at running back as well, where they had Bradshaw, like Amon Bradshaw, Tiki Brandon Jacobs. There. Yeah, like you know. So no, he he had weapons. Like let's not do that. On top of <laughs> having a stacked defense. Yeah, right, that so defense was legit. I mean, that yeah. NASCAR package that they were able to roll out with those four DNs was. <laughs> I mean, that was incredible. That was a hell of a defensive line. Yeah. So real quick, got my guy. Oh, hold on, I got a super chat here. How realistic is Frank Gore coming in? Not realistic at all. No. 
You think he's going to win that Adam, fight Saturday, Croc? I'm going to that fight, actually. I'm, it's here in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's just kind of made different, you know. He got yeah. that OG strength. You know, he's, uh, you know, and it's crazy because Williams, I always look at him as, like, young, but he's not young. He's up no. there in age, too. Him and him and Frank Gore, damn near might be the same age. Yeah. Uh, he has the, re the reach, but... I don't know. There's just something about Frank Gore that I feel like, like Frank Gore gonna win this. I think I he just it. his mentality has always been like, I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna lose. And and basketball players always feel like they're kind of soft. So yeah, yeah. I'm going. I'm going with Frank Gore for sure. <laughs> I feel it. All right, here we go. Got my guy Darius coming on. Darius, what's good with you, man? Good morning. Oh man, top of the morning, man. Uh. Real quick, real quick, I want to address the chat. So ain't no more of that bullshit. Yes, I'm in prison. You know what I'm saying? I apologize for the background noise. It's been a violent week. You know, we dealing with COVID plus the holidays. It's been a violent week, bro. So when you hear that shit back there, that's what's going on. But that's not my life, though. I'm strictly talking about Niners, bro, because I can't get this nowhere else. Like, you know, it's a five-minute talk. You got fans in here, but it's a five-minute talk. They don't know who... John York is. They don't know nothing about it. You know, so I can't talk that real shit with them. You know what I'm saying? So I come here for this. But I'm not on that type of time. I come home next year. Since I've been in here, I got my um, AA. Put it last summer. Oh, yeah. Published my own awesome. book. Go get this. Love. Yeah, Love Schemes and Murder Scenes by Darius Ali. O-L-L-I-E. Yeah. Go to Amazon. Go check that out, man. Um. But yeah, that's 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 my life, bro. I'm not on here for nothing else but the Niners, bro. And I love this channel because everybody is knowledgeable, bro. Like I hate watching shows where it's just barbershop talk. Like I watch because it's still about the Niners, but I don't want to hear opinions over facts. You know what I'm right. saying? That's why I like coming here. That's why I like to look in the chat and like, like I was telling, like I was telling uh, Trice, like, bro, like I asked him, I said, hey man, are you a coach? And he had kind of got back at me, like kind of hostile a little bit. And I understand because you got those trolls in here that do that. And I, don't, I hate that because it's like we're all on the same team. You feel me? It's like, come on, man, don't right. don't attack the next man that's in here for the same reason that you are. So I understood. But I was right. telling him, like, no, nah, man, I, I asked you because you know a whole lot. Like, you'd be blowing my mind. Like, a few people in this chat, they know hellish shit. And, um... Long story short, he is a coach. <laughs> and I said, yeah. well, Dan, you should have just told me that then, man. Like, but, you know, I don't, be I don't come on here to attack nobody, man. I don't know y'all, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's weird. To get at somebody through the internet, you're never going to see this person. It's just weird <laughs> to me, bro. But, um, right. anyways, man, long story short. You know what I'm saying? But that's because you, uh, you look at it from that standpoint because you, you, you understand. I was watching this video, right, of uh, YouTube of it was Gilly. Do you, you know who Gilly the kid is? Do you ever watch his YouTube? Yeah, for Gilly, sure. Gilly, Gilly. All the time, Gilly million dollars worth the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, million dollars worth the game. So I watch them all the time. And they were just on with Academic, right? And Academic clearly right. doesn't truly understand, like, the ramifications of what he's saying to people. Like, when he be telling people pull up and stuff like that, he doesn't know that other side of it. So he just talks crazy, <laughs> Right. But people that really know, people that know that right. other side of it, they don't talk crazy like that. So, like, you'll never see me in the chat because I understand what 
somebody is capable of doing to somebody. You feel me? So sometimes I think when it when yes, it comes sir. to like some of the trolls or whatever in the chat, they don't they don't come from that lifestyle or they don't they they ain't never seen those things. They ain't see the things I saw growing up at Valverde Park. I'm up there at Valverde every day hooping. I saw every there's not mm -hmm. one thing that that I didn't see <laughs> happen at the park. You know what I'm saying? Come on, but, man. So when you that's, grow that's up the first, around the first that person. and you see that, you know what I'm saying? When you grow up around that and you see that, yeah. you, you understand the power of words and, and what could potentially happen. So a lot of these people that be in the chats and, and, and they be trolling and stuff and they start talking crazy is because they don't know that that what other people are really capable of doing. So that's, that's why you see that a lot of right. times. Let me tell you something, man. Real, real story. There's some guys in here that will get your IP address and really know where you at through this fucking internet shit, and they done stamp some shit. They done kill somebody for playing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like it get real. You feel me? And I, I don't, man. Please, bro. Like I respect everybody, man. And like you said, because we come from that that cloth, so we know about and just respect people, bro. And 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 that's their opinion, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But my thing is just like, man, if we all Niners, bro, let's come here and holler about these Niners, bro. Like, all that getting at each other, like, you could disagree, but, you know what I mean? Keep it civil, though, bro. And um, yeah, that's my take on that. Uh, this morning, I wanted to tell you this morning, um, I listen to a lot of ESPN radio and uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Oh, I love him for this, bro. He called Jimmy a great quarterback. And mm. it put a smile on my face. They were talking about Daniel Jones. And how he needed to just be a backup and how um they need to go get somebody like Mariota or uh, they said somebody else's name. But then he said Jimmy Garoppolo. He's like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo would be perfect because he could fit that scheme and um he makes the right throw. Like he makes he makes good he didn't say right throw, he said he makes he makes good throws. And I was thinking like, damn, like let's say they was interested in Jimmy, like you think they would be desperate enough to give us a third round? They might give up more than that. Look, one thing about the, the Giants, and we'll see what happens, but they have two top 10 picks right now. And they're like back-to-back. -back. They got two first-round top 10 picks. All right? So they might, because they have all that draft capital, be a team that's like, hey, we really need a quarterback. We're cutting bait with this dude or whatever. We're going to build the offensive line, whatever the case is. Let's go ahead and give up a second for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. He come in. He's the guy. He's confident. Let's restructure his contract and kind of build around him. You know, that that would be maybe if I'm the Giants and I need a quick fix, that might be like the 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 role I, I play. But Darius, I'm going to get you out of here because I got to get Jay out of here as well. But I appreciate you coming on, man. Keep your head up, bro. Uh, All right. Off time, bro. One. Thank you. All right. That, that was that was refreshing, man. That's you know what? That's. That's it right there. You know, I don't know, Croc, if if you heard about like some of the craziness that's been happening in all the Twitter spaces and all that. But yeah, man, that's it. Yeah. At the end of the day, like we're all fans and and people really don't know where other people come from. So talking reckless and doing all this tough guy Internet stuff is like, man, just keep it out of there, man. We're we're 49er fans. We're trying to talk 49er football and, and leave it at that. You know, plus you also don't know how words can affect certain people. A lot of people are going through some real serious serious stuff and 49ers chatter and, and all that is their escape. So the moment you start going in on somebody, you don't know how that can affect someone. Like keep, keep it cool with people. Right. Real quick, Jay, before you get out of here, uh, 
you know, let everybody know where they can find all your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter right there at JNA underscore LSS. And you can find my YouTube channel, Last Second Sports. You can Google it. You can type it into YouTube. It should be the first thing that pops up, Last Second Sports. Tap in over there. We do a little bit of everything. I'm the resident 49er guy, but um, it's an all-around football sports channel. So we have a Cowboy fan, a Bronco fan, and a, a Detroit Lion fan as well. But multiple 49er content goes up every single week over there. So tap in over there for sure. Awesome. All right, man. I appreciate you joining me this morning. All right, man. Have a good one, Croc. All right. Let me get to this super chat real quick. Here we go. Got my guy, Eddie. said, good teams handle business. If the 49ers are a good team, they need to prove it. It ain't about what you say you are. It's about showing who you are. I 100% agree. I think that the 49ers have had plenty of opportunities to kind of show that they could turn that corner. Now it's like, man, you got to got to stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to stop shooting yourselves and doing things that contribute to losses, man. Let's turn this page. Let's start playing better football and let's start doing things that attribute to wins. And I would like to see the 49ers do it again. I talked about the Bengals game. I was a little worried walking away from it because I felt like a game like that, you're supposed to put your foot on their necks, right? A game like that where, you know, you're up double digits, you, you got gifted two uh, muffed punts, uh, scoring position, and you didn't turn the ball over at all, and that game still went into overtime. You know what I'm saying? So that my, – my mind starts working with, like, all right, that's great win. Good job figuring out a way to win that game. But I think there are some deeper things that the 49ers have to continue to focus on. That's why it's wild to me that they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game coming up. We go, got my guy J-Law. J-Law, what's good, man? Good morning. Morning, Crocky. Uh, can you hear me okay? Oh, I got you loud and clear. Perfect. Uh, happy Friday. We about to take on them Falcons. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing our Niners come out there and really stick it to them. I got this feeling that this is that come out game where they they're going to show us exactly what we've been wanting to see all season. Um, you know, uh, kind of falling back on what you were saying about Eli Manning and the Jimmy G comparison. I, I truly feel like Jimmy G has more of a clutch stability to himself. I feel like the, the game versus Cincinnati really proved that. Uh, those last two drives at the end of regulation and then that last drive in overtime, man, super clutch. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Jimmy G is, is, an amazing quarterback or anything like that, but he's a good quarterback. He's a decent quarterback. He's going to get the job done most of the time. Now, what I think our, our issue as a team has been, has been the inconsistencies. They, they look for a reason to shoot themselves in the foot. Sometimes it seems like they're, they're marching down the field and then, Oh, we want to get an offsides and back ourselves up 10, 10 yards, or they want to, uh, throw an interception to the middle linebacker randomly when they've been clean all game. So like, I don't know what you think, Croc, what you think is going to happen with this, this game this weekend? I like the 49ers and, and you know, the crazy, I like the 49ers in most games, you know, in my head, I look at it like, Hey, if the 49ers just do this X, Y, Z, they'll win this game. I don't look at the 49ers as a team like the Falcons that need literally everything 
in theory, I don't think that the 49ers are a team that need everything to go their way. All right. And what I mean by that, the 49ers shouldn't be a team that needs muff fumbles and things like that to win games. But we have seen that the 49ers are kind of that team, but they, they have more talent than that. When you look at the Falcons, right? The Falcons, they can't rush the passer. They can't protect the passer. They're lacking weapons. They really kind of have two guys on their offense that are kind of really contributing. It's, and I mean, and Russell Gage is kind of whatever, right? He's not like uh, a super like scary receiver. And then you have Kyle Pitts and he's a rookie. And then, and then Cord Cordell Patterson, like that's kind of it. Where they're kind of trying to piece things together, especially without Ridley. And then their, their defense, it's been terrible, terrible. Like that, that's a bad thing. The 49ers aren't that, but for whatever reason, the 49ers still find ways to either lose games or make some games closer than it has to be when I feel like the 49ers as a team, how they're built, even with the injuries, 49ers have injuries for sure. But even with that, I feel like the 49ers are a team that instead of being what after 13 games, I, I think they should be like 10 and three right now. Like that's how I feel about the 49ers, 10 and three. I feel like they have that type of roster, even with the injuries from a coaching standpoint, all these guys have been together. Like this should be a 10 and three team. And the fact that they're not to me is because Damn, like, why? And I have, I I mean, that's the part I question, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's The 49ers are odd. They shouldn't have an issue with the Arizona Cardinals. But for, for some reason, no, this team has found a way to have issues with teams like the Arizona Cardinals. It, you, you're right. You're right. It, it, it's weird because they, they it, when you look at the talent, when you look at the stat line, when you look at the numbers, just by the numbers alone, like, they, they should be 10 and 3. That's that's a fair record. Or eleven and two. They should be they should be somewhere in that realm. Uh, we shouldn't have lost to those uh, the third string Cardinals. We shouldn't have lost to to the Seahawks. Like for whatever the reason, it seems like the Seahawks always have our number. Always, you know. And I I got years of conversations with friends that are Seahawks and Cowboys fans, and you know it's it's been nice to have Shanahan around and John Lynch the last few years to actually give us Niner fans something exciting, like a reason to cheer. I know a lot of people been given Shanahan and, and Lynch and the, the management of uh, the Niners a lot of flack this year because it started off rough, but it's, you know, any given Sunday, right? Like it, it, it doesn't matter what happened the week before. It doesn't matter what happened the year before any given Sunday, the game is going to be the game and you just have to go out there and play. And I love Kittle's responses lately. You want to talk about a guy who's really coming into his own as a leader. I mean, his answers, his poise, his, his composure when he's talking to people about the game and the team that he's on, like, you, you, what was it after the, uh, the Vikings game? Uh, when, when they asked him, um, you know, how do you – basically they asked, like, what do you do in situations where it's getting tough? And and they were referencing Cliff Kingsbury complaining about how they hold all the time. And Kittle's response was, your playmakers have to make plays. And the very next week, he blows up the Seahawks with 150-plus yards while he's getting hold every single fucking play. Like, right. pardon my French. Um, you know, so – you got to back up what you talk about. And I feel like our guys are starting to back up what they're talking about. 
they they've been they've been saying this all year. That is something they have been consistent about. They believe in their team. They believe in their roster. All these things, and and, and I feel like the last five games for sure reiterated the fact that we do have a good team. The Niners are a good team. They had some shit that they needed to straighten out and and get figured out. But once they figured it out, they've been they've been pretty consistent as far as winning games. Now they haven't been consistent in those games, but they've been more consistent at winning games down the stretch. And let's be real. Like when you're a, a 500 team, the real the real football starts in December. So if if you play wishy washy through the the first few months, but then you come out and you just punch everybody in the mouth in December, you're a legitimate playoff team, and you usually go pretty far in the playoffs. Uh, that's that's my take. That's that's how I feel about everything. Yeah, that's not, that's real, J Law, and I appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna get you off now. That that's a lot of that's he made some very good points. It's December football. That's the most important thing. And if you look at teams like New England Patriots, that's when they play their best ball down the stretch. You know, down the stretch, December, January, when it starts kind of getting cold out a little bit. Uh, and that's what the 49ers have to do right now. Start playing your best football. And I don't last week, I, I don't want to. I saw somebody. Crocs always complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm just looking at it from the bigger picture, from the big picture. I don't think last week was 49ers best brand of football, like in the sense of what they want to represent December. Now, overtime, yes. Right? What we got from the offense, what we got from um Jimmy Garoppolo in overtime, yes. Damn, got something in my eye. The, yes. But just over that whole game, I didn't think that that was exactly on the offensive side. Actually, defense holding the team, that team with has it has an explosive offense to six points heading into the fourth quarter. You know, I thought the defense did well enough to definitely win outright. Now, offense, we need you to do a little bit more. So, I think one thing, if it's if there's one thing that I'm looking for heading into this game against the Atlanta Falcons, I want to see the offense dominate the Falcons' defense the way that they should the way that they should. Can you beat down Patriots? I watched the Patriots on primetime television against the Falcons. They beat them 25-0. They had like a pick six. They had like four interceptions, whatever it was. But they won 25-0, right? They dominate. I don't even want to say they really dominated the, the Falcons defense like that because the, the Patriots defense did so much. But the 49ers need a win. Like Not saying that the whole Falcons is zero points. That's crazy. Right to shut a team out in the NFL, that's hard. But be dominant. Do like what we saw against the Rams or the Jags, or even what we saw against the uh, the Vikings. Which uh, I know the 49ers turned the ball over once, but it was like, hey, we're scoring points. You know, we're 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 we are doing well. Like be that against Atlanta, and if they can do that, what it's supposed to look like, dominate the team that you're supposed to dominate. I think I'll start to feel a little bit more comfortable about who this team is heading into the playoffs as opposed to how I feel right now, which is just a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. How y'all feel about it? Who's our starting running back? Uh, last I checked yesterday, Elijah Mitchell did not practice, so they might roll with Jeff Wilson again. 
Let's see. Uh, yeah. But if we win 11 games and even a playoff game, we might have to prepare ourselves for another year with Jimmy. Um, all right. There's two sides to this. One, I don't think another year of Jimmy, I don't think that's bad. Like, if you if you take away the fact that you have Trey Lance, take away the fact that the, that the 49ers have Trey Lance. And if you just, oh, we got Jimmy Garoppolo next year, you should win you should win games. You should win a lot of games. Right. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that you potentially have Jimmy Garoppolo for another year. Just if you just in theory, we'll just say in theory, right? Because now there's other things that factor into it. Now we can get into that. All right. But in theory, it would not be bad to have Jimmy Garoppolo for another year because he has shown that he has the ability to play winning football. So from that standpoint, I would not be mad or upset. Now, what happens is we watch guys like last night. I don't know how many of you watched the Chargers and the, the Chiefs game. And there were a lot of weird things that went on in that game, but there were a lot of like high moments where you're like, damn, my quarterback can't really do that, right? Like, they, I know y'all saw, like, y'all saw plays where it's like, my QB can't, he can't make that play. And maybe is, you know, and I always say it, quarterbacks win different ways. Same way Trey, Trey Lance, the way he wins is probably going to be different than the way that Jimmy Garoppolo wins, right? But you watched that game last night, and there were weird moments. There were great moments. We saw all sides of it. But we, at the end of the day, you saw two quarterbacks where you're like, these motherfuckers, they're good. They're the real deal. Right. And what's going to happen is as long as you have Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to watch those guys in which you wish you had that. Like, you know, a guy that when it's not perfect around him, which it wasn't perfect last night, there were per. I mean, <laughs> the the Chargers went for it like five times on fourth down the, the, the Chiefs and didn't get it. And then and then uh, Patrick Mahomes throws a ball in the dirt like. Nobody around him just throws the ball in the dirt on fourth down. Like, it was crazy, right? But still, he's able, to, he's able to overcome those things. He's able to overcome the run game not really working. He's able to overcome his interception that he threw earlier. And it's just like, damn, high level, right? So when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, he is more of what he is, a quarterback who can win. And, and when you look at Trey Lance and what he potentially can be, it's, it's a different level just because of his ability that he has. So uh, when you have a Trey Lance on your team, you got to get him going. At some point, you got to get him going. So if there is any gripe of not having Jimmy Garoppolo, it's because you have this high-end talent quarterback sitting behind Jimmy right now. And at some point, you just got to you got to get him going. That's the only that's the that's the thing. But if there is no Trey Lance, no Trey Lance, and in my head, okay, we got Jimmy next year, I'm fine with that. I still will watch the other guys and wish that my quarterback could do those things or overcome some of the things that they can. But I'm fine with Jimmy coming back next year if there's no Trey Lance. And I think so. There's two. I think there's two different things that people are kind of talking about there when they when when not wanting Jimmy and things like that. It's really because of who's behind him. And don't get it twisted, man. Uh, Trey Lance is a big time talent with big time ability. He is. Got to get him going. How do you go about that? And that's what they're trying to figure out right now. I would. I would. I would be pretty shocked if they didn't move on from Jimmy, like, you know, right away when the new year league year starts and don't get something for him. I would be shocked. I'd be shocked.
Now, here's the thing, and I know people are looking for some, you know, signs of encouragement, uh, you know, with Trey Lance and things like that. I think that the 49ers will be locked into whatever seed they are, and I think that the Rams will be locked into whatever seed they are. So I'm assuming week 18, you'll be able to see Trey Lance for an entirety of a game and just kind of see where he's at and what's encouraging and how he's kind of come along throughout this time. And I think that'll put people at ease a little bit. That's just my thoughts on that. Uh, how do you make the argument about if there's no Trey Lance? So I'm not making an argument as if there is no, uh, how can I explain this? It's not so much about, oh, if there is no Trey Lance. I'm saying, yeah, if there wasn't a Trey Lance, then I'm good with Jimmy being here next year. I don't think we would be upset about it. But I think the people having their emotions up and down is because of who is on the roster. So, yeah, like, I, I'm not saying I would be upset, but it's just like, you know, what, what are we doing? What are we doing a little bit? Now, we are definitely a little bit more impatient now when it comes to rookies because in the past, there have been guys that are drafted first round or higher, whatever, and just for whatever reason, don't play for a year or two, and they wait. And, you know, back in the day, that wasn't anything that was too out of the ordinary, right? But I think now you look at it, when you see rookies coming in, they're playing now, there's definitely more of an emphasis on getting the rookie in there and building around him during his uh, rookie contract. There's that aspect of it. There is the money aspect of Jimmy Garoppolo and – Hey, freeing up that $25 million or whatever it is to build around Trey Lance, you know, so, you know, as well as the inflation from the just the uh, the salary cap in general. So you let Jimmy Garoppolo go and the inflation from the salary cap, which looks to be about $25 million. We're talking about $50 million to build around an uber-talented Trey Lance. So that's kind of how I look at it. I got my guy Tavarius. He says, uh, it's crazy because these are the ways that you, you know, this is how I see the chat. I got my guy right here, Big Big Copeland. Cop, uh, we'll call you Big Cope. He said, Jimmy G is the guy. All right. And then the very next comment is, nah, Croc, Jimmy has to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's how it is, man. The fans are on, it's weird, two different sides. And I think the sooner, I'll say this. It doesn't matter about what I think, and I give you guys my perspective. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's kind of what the situation is and what Kyle Shanahan and those guys are telling you. And not what they're telling you with what they're saying, what they're telling you with their actions, and really kind of their actions are telling you, like, Jimmy's probably on his way out. I'd say I'd say on a scale of 0 to 10, or we'll go 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, if Jimmy's gonna be here, ten being Jimmy's gonna be here, it's probably at a it's probably at a three, and he would have to do some drastic stuff to continue to be here uh, next year. So that's kind of yeah. I, regardless of how you feel, if you feel like Jimmy's the guy, hey, let, I, Jimmy's good, cool, but the the situation kind of is what the situation is. Appreciate everybody that's in here. Everybody's contributed to the show. Ask what's up, 49ers. They're gonna have a lot of money to be able to go out there and kind of build around a young, talented quarterback in Trey Lance. Croc, I think we should go young at CB. So I talked about this a little bit, and the guy I will be bringing on will be talking about just development and what it means at, at all positions, whether it's receiver, uh, offensive line, cornerback, right? Development. 
And what I don't, what, what you don't, and I saw somebody's comment earlier say, Ambry Thomas, he'll never be elite. He's only a special teamer. I saw that comment earlier in the chat. And I would say, we have no idea what he is and what he could potentially grow into. You just don't know. You don't know. I, I can never, y'all would never see me make any definite statement on a rookie in his first career start against high-end talent at that. Now, will, will he be elite? I, I don't know. But I don't even look at it like that. Can he guy be a starting NFL cornerback? And that's what I'm looking for from Ambry Thomas. I don't know the answer to that. We will see. I think he has the traits and ability to be a, 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 a solid corner. I think he has the size, the speed, all those things. He has to put it together. I won't be able to know based off of one game. Now, should the 49ers go young at corner? I believe in the power of development. I don't think that guys come in and you see them once or twice or even three times, and that's what they are. So if it's me, I have to see a little bit more from Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore. And even, you know, while having a guy like Manuel Mosley to say, oh, I'm just going to go young and forget developing. Because I think developing in the NFL, like that's a, that's a big thing. And I think that's what makes guys good. Instead of, you know, continue. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't throw resources at the position. But I talked about what I would do. And I would probably go more so the route of having Embry Thomas. All right, dude. Like, you got to step it up. Diamond Lenore got to step it up, right? And I'm going to bring a free agent in. But it's not going to be a big free agent. It won't be like a Stephon Gilmore. It'll be more like a, like a Mike Hughes or something, right? We saw Mike Hughes playing for the Chiefs last night, he was a free agent at one point. It would be more like a Mike Hughes, where, okay, I'm paying you $2 million or whatever, and I think Mike Hughes will be a free agent. It would be more along those lines of a guy, hey, come in, compete with Ambry Thomas. If you beat out Ambry Thomas, like, all right, if you can't, if Ambry Thomas goes, gets right, understands the game, he's better moving forward, and he beats out uh, Mike Hughes, like, okay, now we got it. Okay, we got Ambry Thomas, we got Emmanuel Mosley, got two solid corners, but you got to give – guys a chance to be that and you can't make that decision over one game I, so I'm not ready to say that a guy can or can't play edge edge guys are more plug and play CB is harder CB is definitely it's tough it's tough uh real quick before we get out of here I'll talk about kind of this right here and I don't think it's as black and white as people think in the sense of addressing the cornerback position. He says, what happened to Tim Harris? I never liked Tim Harris as a, as a player. I, I didn't think nothing. I was like, okay, we'll wait and see. But when I watched this film, I was like, eh, eh. All right. But as far as keeping the tradition going, right? So I'm assuming my guy, R1996, is talking about the 49ers not addressing the secondary the way that he would address the secondary, right? And here's my thoughts on that. I don't think it's as black and white as people make it out to, to be. You got to understand that there are only so many high draft picks and there's only so many ways to really address this thing. And you have to, it has to go hand in hand. It has to go hand in hand with who's on the roster, where those guys are, and how you're kind of building things. And I don't think it's as simple as just saying we don't want to draft a corner high. All right. So take it back a little bit. 
the 49ers at one point had a guy, Mantis, right? Rashad Robinson, Dante Johnson. And I think going into that draft, you probably knew that Dante Johnson and Rashad Robinson aren't the guys. But I don't think it was as simple as we want to pass on the corner, Marshawn Lattimore or Tredavious uh, White or anything like that. It was Solomon Thomas was going to be the top pick. That was They had their mind made up. After that, they really liked Reuben Foster. And they wanted to really build that secondary. Now, that was a chance to potentially get up in front of a team like Buffalo. And instead of drafting the River Foster, maybe draft Tredavious White, and they'd be better at the cornerback position for it. There, there was a chance for that, potentially. But they went like, hey, we're building up our front right now, and then we'll get to the secondary. They drafted they drafted Akello Witherspoon, who Akello was one of my favorite corners in that class. I like Tredavious White a lot. I like uh, Keller Witherspoon a lot. I thought getting a Keller Witherspoon at the top of the third round was a steal. A guy that was 6'3", 200 pounds with those feet, that athleticism around a 4'4", 5", at the combat. Like, that's a guy like, okay, let's see where this goes. Right? And we saw glimpses of like, hey, man, why can't you be like this all the time? Then we saw the other side where it's just like, damn, are you just always going to be so up and down? All right, so that was a Keller Witherspoon. All right. Uh, after that, it was, they, you know, it was the 2000... 18 draft, right? Who the 49ers draft? It was now they had an opportunity, and I would have drafted 2000. Yeah, this is 2018. Minka Fitzpatrick. I would have drafted Minka Fitzpatrick. Hold on, we got a guy. See, this is not true. It's not, this is not true. I just watched Minka Fitzpatrick get, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, Akela Witherspoon. I just watched. I just watched the the Vikings target him three times in the red zone, all incomplete. He broke up a pass, and then he turned around and picked off two passes, jumped a slant route, jumped a slant route, should have picked uh, pick sixed it, and then also picked off another pass and gave the Steelers a chance to win. That was just last week. So to say he just can't cover that's not true. If you would say he's inconsistent, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I do feel like there were maybe some opportunities for the 49ers to potentially address the secondary, uh, the cornerback position. But I don't think it was as black and white. Do you draft Minka, which I would have drafted Minka Fitzpatrick, and I probably would have kept Brown. But I think they were thinking, hey, we don't want to pay Brown all this money at right tackle, so let's let him go. Let's draft uh, Mike McGlinchey, and he can be a starting tackle, which he's a solid starting tackle. Start, he's a solid starting tackle. I think it was the way that just really kind of going about it it's, it's not as easy. as and then you get to a point where it's like, well, we got Richard Sherman. You got Witherspoon. You got Mosley. You got Verrett. Do you draft a corner high? There were people like, oh, they should have drafted Trevon Diggs, right? Do you draft Trevon Diggs at that time when on your roster you have Richard Sherman coming off of an all-pro year, Akella Witherspoon and Mosley. Uh, Mosley looked like he could be a legit starting corner. Witherspoon up and down. We'll see. You guys go ahead and compete for that job. And, oh, by the way, we got Jason Verrett. Like, do you just say, hey, we're going to draft a guy second round and he's going to come in and play over all those guys? I don't, I don't think, I don't think you could do that. So it's not as simple. It's not as simple as just, they don't want to address it. You really have to look at the, you really have to look at the situations. I think if the situation presents itself, the 49ers would take a corner high. But they haven't really kind of been in that position. 
do you take a corner high or do you draft uh Nick Bosa? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 tough. You gotta look at who they took, when they took, why they took, who was on the roster. All right. And then now this year, they don't have a first round pick. So now they're gonna be in the second round and it's gonna come to a conclusion. Do you draft a corner or maybe an edge rusher? I believe that I would take the edge rusher if the edge rusher is better. If I have a corner and edge rusher, both even on my draft board, I have the corner and the edge rusher even on my draft board. I am taking, I'm taking the edge rusher and go rush alongside Nick Bosa. Now, if I have the corner higher, then okay, I'll take the corner higher. But how much does the corner kind of move? You know, it's it's tough. It's tough. Here we go. Got my guy Roscoe's coming on. Chris, what's good with you, man? How you doing this morning? What's up, Croc? I'm good. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yes, sir. You know? Uh, yeah, I'm agree with you. Definitely would take a pass rusher over a corner. A pass uh if if folks look at some of the let's just go back in time. Seattle, they won a Super Bowl. They had a very good pass rush. I mean, they did have a very good secondary, but they had a very good pass rush. Uh, you look at the Broncos, very good pass rush. You look at the Giants, both Super Bowls, very good pass rush. You look at how we made it to the Super Bowl, very good pass rush. Even the Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl, they had a very good pass rush. So, of course, I'm always take a corner. I mean, I'm always take pass rushers over corners. Pass rushers affect the game in a way. It's just, it's just different. I mean, when you can make the best quarterback of all time, tote tap, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a pass rusher. If you look at what the Niners defense did in 2019, we went on a stretch of games, a three or four stretch of games, where quarterback didn't even throw 400 yards Yeah, because the pass rush was so dominant. So I, I'm a firm believer, and that's why I would rather, when, when the draft comes, I would I would want to take a if 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 there's a pass rusher that will make it to the second round, I'm going to take a pass rusher. While most people be like, oh, we should take corner, we should take corner. And then again, like going back, I mean, I probably would take a veteran DB anyways. Uh, I, I don't really, I really wouldn't even trip off getting a rookie right now. I would get a veteran DB and then try to load up on a pass rush this off season. But the Falcons. The way the Niners win this game is if they run the ball. Run the mm. ball 35 times. Jimmy throw the ball like 20 times. Let him let he, uh Elijah Mitchell do what he do. And we sh we should win the game. But you know, the Niners like to make things hard, so I don't I don't I What do you know. mean by make it hard? What do you what do you mean by that? Elaborate Cross, on that. You know how we you know we like to turn over the ball. We like to make stupid mistakes. We'll do some some weird stuff on defense or or, or uh, offense. You know, Jimmy may throw two picks. We may fumble the ball. We may have like eight or nine penalties. That's the type of football team we are. So a lot of people like, oh, yeah, we should, you know, blow this team out. It's like, well, first off, know who you are. Know, know, know who you're talking about. We, we have a football team that, I mean, I, I like our team, but let's, let's be honest here. We're not a very disciplined football team. We're not a, a team that 
we're not a team that plays it uh, safe as far as not turning over the ball. We love turning over the ball. So that's why I'm saying, like, we, we will we'll make it hard on ourselves. And so this game could definitely be a pick em game, honestly. If we be if we keeping it real, the type of football team we are, we're an inconsistent football team. And what happens with an inconsistent football team? You never know who you're going to get. You never know who's going to show up. Are you going to get the good 49ers where they'll beat you down? Are you going to get the 49ers that's going to turn over the ball, get a bunch of penalties, and have you confused, like, what the heck are we doing? Well, so, what about the team that we saw against the Bengals that did not turn the ball over but still somehow – the game had to go into overtime. Like, how does something like that happen? Well, that comes down to the offense. And, like, you, I mean, we, we – okay, so we gave up four sacks in the second half. And I think uh, if you go drive by drive, we, we gave up sacks on third downs. Uh, we gave up sack on first and third. We gave up uh, sacks on, I think, twice on third down, and then one, and then the only time we we uh, had a third down where Jimmy, you know, threw it to Kittle for eight yards. You know, Shanahan was like, "I'm not gonna go for two. Defense playing well, so I'm not gonna do that." So it was a lot of just the offense not executing. It was it was a just, I mean, that's plain and simple. The offense wasn't executing, and I mean, I don't I don't know, I can't really remember how. Uh, how bad we were on offense because I mean the Bengals gave us every opportunity in the first half. I think they gave us every opportunity. And then in the second half, it's just possession after possession after possession. It was sack, sack, sack. And I mean, I don't know uh if you watched it again to explain like was was the sacks on Jimmy, was the sacks on our offensive line or both. I mean that's really the reason why we scored three points in the second half. Now, if you go back to the Seattle game, I'm blaming that all on Jimmy, what happened in the second half. But the, this half, I, I don't know if it was a combination of both. What do you say? I I put it on the offensive line because of who Jimmy G is. If if Jimmy were more of a playmaker and he could make plays outside the you know pocket and he can kind of escape sacks, which I've seen him do it here and there, but you know, clearly that's not his thing, right? So yeah. knowing that's not his thing, you have to go above and beyond to protect him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, I put on Jimmy a little bit. Actually, I don't put on Jimmy. He, that's not what he is. So we know he has to play from the pocket. We know he wants to play in rhythm. Maybe some of it should go on the receivers too for not getting open quick enough for a guy who needs to drop back, get the ball out in rhythm as well. So, um, you know, I think Blam goes a little bit off the line and receivers for knowing who Jimmy is. Now, if Jimmy was somebody who had some more escapability, then, okay, maybe I'll put more more blame on him. But he's not. I know he's not that guy, so why should I expect yeah. him to do those things? You know what I'm saying? That's fair. So what do you think what, – what challenges do the Falcons uh, post for the 49ers, offense or defense? None. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, no, seriously. They they like <laughs> they don't. They have they have their 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 best offensive guy is I mean, it's either Cordell Patterson, 
who's essentially a running back now, which the 49ers actually have done really good down the stretch against the run. So now it's all on Matt Ryan to throw the ball, and they have Kyle Pitts. 49ers have actually done extremely well against tight ends, and also they can't really protect the passer. So I don't – the only scenario where the 49ers either lose this game or make it a game is if the 49ers are, you know, the other – version of what they should be. You know what I'm saying? Which, again, we've seen that team. We've yeah. seen them do that. But I don't think, you know, with what Atlanta is, they can't rush the passer. They can't protect their passer. And they really don't have the weapons like that to really uh, threaten the 49ers at any level. I, I don't know. I don't – and not to be – I mean, Matt Ryan, I still have a lot of respect for Matt Ryan, but well, they got you know, and what he's Terrell able to is- do, him, you know, well, they got AJ Terrell. He's having a, a very good season. Very he good. He can't do it on his own. Like if he is. But even Kyle Shanahan doesn't. He doesn't attack corners. He so the linebackers. you can have AJ Terrell and be good all you want. That's not where Kyle is attacking your scheme and putting your interior guys, whether it's your linebackers or your safeties, in conflict and working off of them. So yeah. it's not even a game where you could just be like, hey, AJ Terrell, go take this guy away, and that's going to result in a win. It's not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The well, only I way mean, the 49ers make this game close or lose this game is if they aren't clicking offensively or if they do weird things. And, and you know, everybody's going to blame Kyle Shanahan if something like that happens. So if you was a betting man, would you take the Niners? Uh... Nine and a half? Yeah. No. No, because the 49ers have showed to be really that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team. <laughs> I can't, I don't, I don't trust the 49ers. Me either. That's but what I, I think. Said. In theory, I think they're really good, but I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all. 100% agree. 100% agree. You basically, like I said, you don't know the team you're going to get. Right. And that's a very confusing thing. Um, yeah, it's just a very confusing thing. I, I don't know. Which Jimmy G we're going to get? I don't know which offensive line we're going to get. I trust the defense. I trust the defense more than I trust the offense. How about that? I'll say that. I trust the defense more than I trust the offense. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I just really? think the team as a whole has these undisciplined stretches, and you don't know which side of the ball is going to do it. And I think that's more the issue. You you just don't know. All right? We talk about the Patriots. You know what you're getting from the Patriots every exactly. night, right? They're on the seven-game win streak. You know, hey, run the ball well, play great defense. Don't don't turn the ball over on offense. Take the ball away on defense, and that's our winning recipe. We know and who limit. we are. And if we get away from that for a game or so, it's it's like, well, that's just a, that's a game that we get away from it. But ideally, that's who we are. We know who we are. 49ers, we don't know. We know how the 49ers want to win, but literally every other week. It's something different. We don't know. So, yeah, I don't trust you. Yeah, no, I mean, and and I've been saying this all year long. If folks want to understand what a good football, a really good football team is, a well-coached football team, look at the Patriots. They make things so much easier for themselves. When you don't turn over the ball, when you don't get very much penalties, you know how how much you increase your uh, chance to win? It goes up a lot. And that's why you can win with a rookie quarterback. That's why you can be probably the top dog in the uh, AFC because you play clean football. If the 49ers play clean football this year, I mean, their record probably what? They might lose two games, maybe. Exactly. But 
unfortunately, that's not who we are. And and this is what the last thing I'm actually gonna go. Going into next year, do you think Kyle really need to focus on building a more disciplined football team? One hundred percent, because that's the only way he's gonna win it all. Even how, though, now, he how does he go about it? How does he go about building a more disciplined team? I think that's the bigger and tougher question. I don't know I how say, you do it at that level. I would say this. I remember Grant was telling us how the uh, practices were, and Grant said that uh, if you were false start in practice, Harbaugh would uh, – I think he said Harbaugh would pull you out or you would have to go run or something. And he was like, when Kyle, Shan like Kyle Shanahan, they just run the play over again. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, just the way you coach, you got to be a little bit more disciplinarian. And uh, and see where we go from there. But right on croc, ah, it's Friday. Holidays is next week. Uh, I got a question for you. Are you an eggnog type of person? Yeah, but if I'm drinking eggnog, I'm spiking it a little bit. So, you know, and I know you're not about that life. So, <laughs> I am definitely not about that life. But, yeah, eggnog all the way, baby. Let's go. <laughs> all right, bro. All right, see bro. Real quick, get to this uh, super chat before I get to the last caller. What up, Croc? What's the key to this team playing at a high level that is required uh, in playoffs to win? I'm worried about the inconsistencies. Man, that's crazy because, you know, we just talked about this a whole lot. And, yeah, you know, every every week I think you could you could say don't, don't beat yourself. And I think even going into the playoffs, that's going to be magnified, right? Every moment is going to be bigger. And the 49ers already, I don't want to say they're at a disadvantage because in any game that they're playing, and my guy just said it earlier, any game that the 49ers play in, they're not going to have the better quarterback. So you are going to need things around you to be a little bit more ideal as a team. And if you're going to do that, then you have to be extremely disciplined. Because at any moment, and everybody, they might say, oh, well, the corners or this and that. At the end of the day, those guys on the other side, they are going to make plays at some point, right? They're going to make plays unless the defense just destroys them. But more times than not, that's not how it's going to happen. Now, I know we saw that happen in 2019. It's not 2019 defense. All right, this defense is good, but it's not the 2019 defense. So Aaron Rodgers, if you have to play him, he's going to get his. Devontae Allen is going to get his. In, in the biggest moment, there's going to be a time where it might be this quarterback trying to outduel the other quarterback. If it comes down to that, it's tough. You don't want it to come down to that. You want it to be, all right, let's not hurt ourselves. Let's be able to run the ball well. Jimmy, let's not turn the ball over. Uh, let's make the throws that need to be made. We can't go these stretches and halves, which you did against the Seahawks and you did against the Bengals, where you don't score points. The last two second halves, the 49ers have scored three points combined not including overtime. Like, that can't happen. So, got to move the ball more consistently on offense, and you can't hurt yourself. That's going to be the recipe. That's going to be the recipe. And can they do it? We've seen them be able to do it, how they beat the uh, the Rams. They got to do that, right? They got to – now also the 49ers defense took the ball away and had a pick six. But you're going to need more of that. Real quick, I'll kind of go through and look through some of the comments. There's a lot of comments I kind of missed. 
I appreciate everybody that's in here. Everybody's in the chat. If you haven't already, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I appreciate all that. About to get to the last caller. Uh, I'm looking through the comments. That's what I'm looking at right now. Ben, I see my guy, Ben. Ben, you still in here? If you're still in here, I'll send the link for you. Got my guy, Eddie. Here we go. Got another super chat. Crocky, we heard the same about the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're talking about as far as the Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I think the difference was I was worried about the Seahawks just because it's the Seahawks. And regardless of what's going on there, and, and the Seahawks are different. They're not nearly as bad as the Falcons. Seahawks, if you look at their losses, they're like all one-score losses. And that's what the Seahawks have really been throughout their time with Russell Wilson, at least over the last five, six years. A lot of Seahawks losses or wins, we'll say they're wins. It's 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 been one score a lot of time. So this year they just happen to lose some of those one score games as opposed to previous years where they would win them. But the Seahawks aren't bad. So when you are playing the Seahawks and you know Russell Wilson's out there, like they potentially they can beat you. They can't beat you. Now again, 49ers have they're not good like that. And the 49ers definitely had an opportunity to put them away. 49ers scored no points in the second half. That's on them. No points in the second half. That's tough. And it's the divisional as uh rivalry. Rivalry aspect of it. The Atlanta Falcons are six and seven, and the 49ers are seven and six. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh this is this is great right here. Jay Boogie 510. Jimmy Grubble is the most consistent 49er. You know exactly what you're gonna get from him. That is true. That is true. Now, think using that logic, how, how do you win around that? Still looking through some of the comments before I get my last caller on. All right. Oh, wait. I got my guy Ben still in here. So Ben is going to be the last caller. I got, I got Ryan coming on right now, and then Ben is going to be the last caller. So Ben, you want to come on? Here's the link right here. All right. So if anybody else comes on, I ain't going to be able to get you on. All right. But uh, there's the there's the link in the chat right there. Uh, real quick, I'll answer this. Uh, where was it? Uh, right here. I disagree. Is bad Jimmy or good Jimmy? It's a coin flip. I would say bad Jimmy and good Jimmy is kind of the same person. Like you know, like what he means by that is the consistency. You know, you know that about him. No, right. It's not like a random, it's not a random thing. We know exactly Jimmy, you know, he's going to be, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But here we go. Got my guy Ricky Williams. I mean, Ryan in here. Ryan, what's good, baby? What up, what up, what up? Happy Friday to you, man. Uh, I can't believe you said you want to trust defense more so than offense. Um, I... I, I think don't. Rocco was correct uh, saying like defense is more consistent. Um, and but it should be, it shouldn't be, but I gotta agree with him. You know, for the year, I think the defense has been more consistent. One of the reasons is, uh, first, our third down conversion rate has been inconsistent this whole year and been terrible. The reason why we have have those laws in the first half and second half is our third down conversion rate is terrible. 
Um, and I was thinking about this yesterday watching the football game. You know that the Kansas City Chiefs only had 13 three and outs this whole year. Wow. Wow. As me, I say ridiculous. Like that's that's some good football. But besides that, like I mean, that's crazy. Thirteen. That's it. Only thirteen three and outs. And I was thinking about our team. We have a pro tight end, a pro bowl wide receiver, two pro bowls with left guys in the left guard. And it's unfortunate that our offense is this inconsistent. Most people would say we have this type of talent on offense, but then if our offense was consistently good, our record would be better. Yeah. But on the other end, our defense has been more consistent. No one would want to get with our defense that this is why people that our team kind of can be skewed at times like, dude, what are we doing? And that's our issue. We got all this talent offense where people say pro bowl here pro bowl there but we have multiple games over 10 games where our third down red rate is less than 30 like around 37 percent and that's horrible that's horrible with that type of talent season was long and it's like come on guys we can't sit there and say Atlanta will be a W when if we don't get like a couple first down the first two suggestions we know Kyle Shanahan starts to get shaky with the sticks, you know what I mean? And then if they say we have another lapse on special teams or Cordell pass and does some crazy take on the crib, we're gonna be like, oh crap, here we go again. Will Jimmy start right. pressing or will we stay consistent with the run? And then those doubts start to creep up and I'm it's like we see it too much too often with the team. All right, uh, Ryan, I'm going to have to get you up. You made some good points, but your reception is kind of cutting in and out, and I see people talk about it in the chat. But you already know I always love and appreciate when you come on, bro. I appreciate you coming on, big dog. I don't even, I'm not sure he heard me. We got my guy, Ben. Ben, what's good, man? Good morning. How you uh, I'm doing well, Croc. You know, it's um interesting week. I'm covering FSU football also, man, so it has been eventful. I'll, I'll just Woo! say that. Hold on. Okay. So first, first, let's start off. Um, no, I want to get to the FSU for, stuff first. Yeah. And then we'll just... get to your, I want to get your predictions on the 49ers game. Yeah. Right, I want to no, get a whole prediction. But just rip the FSU. band off, man. Just so off. you are in FSU. I want, I want to hear, I know what the climate is there right now. Oh yeah. But I want to know what, like what happened? How did FSU get to where they are right now in a situation oh. where a guy, Travis Hunter, who's committed to FSU, number yeah. one player in the nation, flips to Jackson State? How does that happen? And, no, I'll ask that question, then I have a follow-up question. Well, I'll start. I think it all goes back to, like, 2017 when Jimbo left, like, in the middle of the night, you know, December 23rd or whatever it was when he left Florida State. You look from that point on, like, they didn't have a great recruiting class that year necessarily but if you look at everything before then everything before then is is fine it's okay for the most part since then i they've had a new athletic director um i just think they're poorly managed and considering what their options were i thought they should have hired dion at the time i wasn't so that was my that, follow -up. I, I i wasn't surprised they were never gonna hire dion though i'm just gonna say that it was just never gonna happen unfortunately so that was my okay. So why why was it never going to happen? Um, Did they not see the bigger picture of of like what 
that could potentially be? I think that was part of it. Um, but I also think like, and, and I know, Croc, we're talking to a lot of people in the Bay Area necessarily. I know you're from Arkansas. There is a certain. Oh, just, oh like, no. I'm, no, 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 no. No, but but oh. you're you're your boys from you're in Arkansas right now, right? I live in Arkansas. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what oh, I'm, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to say is I'm in the South. Things are just a little a little different here, and I think the race component of it, I, unfortunately for Dion, was a part of it because they had a black head coach right before him. And I I hate to say that's what it is, but I really think the more I talk to FSU people who were more like because I wasn't as in at that time, I was just more a fan. Now I'm actually in the media, in with everything. I, the feeling I get from, from those people I'll talk to who know what was going on a few years ago, it seems like that was certainly a part of it, unfortunately. So I, I, they didn't see the bigger picture. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ben, with business. All right. I'm learning, I'm learning some things, man. And a lot of it, shout out to Andy Fisella. I listen to a lot of Andy Fisella. All right. But there has to be a asp- there has to be this certain level of aspect of like projecting yep. and you also have to have that that f you you know what i'm saying that yeah. f you you know what i'm saying and the Deion sanders thing there there would have had to be a lot of projecting there which yeah. is the case in any business but you have to see what can come from that and I was able to see it, and my guy Chris, he's in the chat, I'm sure. He'll tell yeah. you, I was saying, hey, USC needs to get Deion Sanders. USC needs to yeah. go get prime time because he's going to help so much with the recruiting, and it's not just him. He brings in these coaches around him. They're all His his defensive coordinator is Dennis Thurman. That was my defensive yeah. coordinator the New York Jets. Like I He's know. bringing high-level guys with him that are terrific play callers and understand the game. He has those guys – Literally all around at Jackson State, where you don't have everything, you don't have all the resources, you don't have as much resources. That's the biggest difference, right? So when you look at Florida State and you have an alumni coming back, all right, you have Dion, Hall of Famer, what he is and how he attracts people. I get it. He doesn't have the experience that you want. But you got to do some projecting and and know that this might be a, a, a two, three, four-year process, but he's going to be able to get this program back because of who he is and how people are drawn to him. Dion can walk into any living room, especially if he's at, if he can walk into a living room and get a guy to flip and go to Jackson State, he can go into a living room and get anybody to go to Florida State. And that's where Florida State, they dropped the ball. They didn't see the big picture. Well, and it's not like who they were hiring anyways was necessarily bringing them that much forward too, right? It's not like they're going out and getting the superstar head coach. That's, that's the position I'm in croc is that I would have understood if they were going after a great head coaching candidate and, Oh, they felt like, Hey, you know, we're saying no to Dion, but look, we're getting this guy who has power five experience and all this stuff. No, they, they hired Mike freaking Norvell who was at Memphis before who I, I don't not like the guy, but like, Come on, you know, with the point they were at with their program, to me, like passing on Dion, I just don't understand it. I don't understand the downside of it because it's not like that program was going to go any more down than it already was. Like, like they had like right now, actually, I will say Wednesday may have been rock bottom for them, but it's felt like rock bottom like three different times over the last four or five years. So, man, it's just uh, 
it, it just is what it is at this point with FSU. Yeah. For first off, I think one thing people don't understand is they don't have a lot of money. Also, they have like absolutely no money right now. So I don't even think they would fire their head coach if they really wanted to, because they don't have like, like there's a lot more going on there and it's kind of a, more of a mess than I think even people realize. So, you know, definitely not to Florida state that I grew up watching with, you know, no. Peter work and all those guys. We do have a question here. Um, What's up with Mia Khalifa? Oh, no, I think they're talking about that Instagram model who went to uh, Jackson State. No, just, I know no. exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think Mia Khalifa, did she go to Florida State? Did she? Dude. Hold on, man. Where, I, uh, where's no. Mia Khalifa from? Do you know who I, Mia Khalifa is? Oh, I know who she is. I, I'm not, I know who she is for sure. Don't get, don't right. get me wrong, but, but no, on. I have Let's no see where idea. She's from. Hold on. I do not know who Hold she on. was up in uh no 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 she went to El Paso, but I know that she has some kind of connection to Florida State. I feel like I saw that before. Anyways, enough of her. We have some uh, people that have comments for you in the chat. Here we go. Uh, Grant Cohn he says Warner's contract is a mistake and Aziz is better. Are you willing to kind of jump off the ledge and 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 go with that as well? I'll say that just because I don't think off-ball linebackers is a premium position as I would pay for. I think, like, because of that, like, paying a guy like Fred Warner, do you want to pay him? Yeah. And is it kind of hindsight now? Because, like, at the time, I was saying they should pay him, right? But – and it is a little hindsight 2020, but, like, looking back on it, seeing what you can get the value at the position, I think it was a mistake because they did pay him so much money. Like, like seeing what you can get out of Aziz Alshair, you know, it's just, like – that's the tough, tough thing with playing linebacker, paying linebackers and running backs. You know, it's yeah. those positions are so plug and play. But I would say Fred Warner, while he might not be Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman, he's really good and he affects the game yeah. in more ways than just being a linebacker. You know, he's a coverage guy, he's good in space. You know, I know coverage numbers for linebackers typically aren't great. But I think a lot of it is, especially depending on the scheme, dropping into zones, a ball getting caught near you, you go make the tackle, you're dinged for that catch. So your the completion percentage against you is high and all that. But I think yeah, it, general, if you look at off-ball linebacker, like receiving stats, it's awful, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, like so the I don't worry about any of that. Yeah. I look at it from an energy standpoint, a leadership standpoint, and what he is able to do at any moment with, you know, potentially being able to force takeaways, uh, being able to run vertically with receivers from the three spot, you know, those type of things. I think, you know, you, you need that. And, and what he brings from a leadership standpoint on that defense, he's all that and more. But Aziz, awesome. Hopefully they bring him back. He should be a guy that they look to lock hey. up for another three years right now. Go do that right now. Absolutely. He's been with the 49ers the entire time, and he's one of their homegrown guys. So you've developed him. You you know, he's into a guy who knows what you want. You know what you're getting from him. He's a legit starter. Definitely got to bring him back. Uh, oh, yeah. Meyer works for Grant Cohn and SI. I I don't know. Okay. The, the me. Yeah, that's me. I, I'm Ben Myers and I work for Grant Cohn. Sure. Okay. That, that, that doesn't right. mean like, I don't know, Crocs work with Grant Cohn. Jason Aponte works with Grant Cohn. You want to hate on those guys too? Like, come on, man. Hmm. I know people love to hate on Grant, but uh, uh, yeah. you know what? I'll say, I'll say like for all the crap Grant gets, and I know you know this for sure, Croc. He, he gives so many people opportunities and like people like me, right. Who just wouldn't have or otherwise met people like you or all kinds of stuff. So, Hey, shout out to Grant, honestly, shout out to Grant. Now, he does his thing. And I think uh, one thing I try to, you know, tell people all the time, 
I understand the the entertainment aspect of things. And Grant Cohn is definitely someone who has that absolutely that down. He understands the the entertainment aspect of the the, the business and you know between journalism and you know uh, understanding how to build a brand, which he's done an amazing job of. So I always tell people, whether you like him or not, most people like him or not, they tune in. And in a sense, that's what, you know, is easy. One thing about the business aspect of things and entertainment, they want you to be way far this way or way far the other way. They don't want you to be Eric Crocker, who's in the middle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, there's no... There's no big value with Eric Crocker aside from people that like to listen to uh, a different perspective from the game and coaches and things like that. But it's going to take me much longer to build my platform because it is more in the middle. I don't go this way or that way, right? I'm just right in the middle. Well, Grant Cohen, he's so far this way, but that is what people, uh, they tune in for. And that's why his platform is growing so much. And it has been awesome to see what he's done for y'all. Now, again, that is a statement based on whether I like what he says or not. It don't matter. I respect it, and I get what he does. So that's that's great stuff for him. Uh, folks getting on us for trading Buckner then say stuff like, we shouldn't pay a guy. There are no good convos. Melvin Hunter always bring up Grant. Weird. <laughs> All right, so this is a great point, right? Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a great point because a lot of people are like, oh, don't pay a guy this and that, and they're not worth it. And I think if you look at what Buckner has done this year, that might be in the category of saying, oh, he's overpaid, pay him too much, maybe pay this guy, right? So I think one way to maybe look at it is NFL players, depending on their position, can have a, a season where they are more impactful than the right. next. And you kind of have to factor that in to paying them. But in the process of that, understand that maybe I'm not paying him just for this. I'm paying him for what he could do on the field as well as what he brings off the field. You know, how big of a part does Fred Warner play in Aziz, yeah, you know, it's so it, you know, those are things that you know we don't quite know how well. To and I think the, the Buckner thing versus Warner, real quick, just to like touch on that, I'll I just think with Buckner because because of the value you get out of him by playing him with Nick Bosa and, and getting the productivity you do and the dominance you do out of that line, I think no question it would have been worth it to pay him. But I struggle with the Warner thing a little bit more just because. It is a position, like you were saying, Croc, where you can find those plug-and-play guys. So as much as I think Warner is probably worth it, I'm just, like, not sure if he's 100% worth it for the 49ers in the long run. You know, that that to me is the thing of, like, I think you had to pay him because, honestly, looking at the leadership they have on this team, looking at, like, the locker room construction, getting rid of Fred Warner would have been insane. But um, it it's just one of those things now that it's tough to look back on because it's a position where you don't want to pay a guy that much. I mean, uh, you can only spread out your money so much and it's going to get really interesting over the next few seasons when they have these guys come up for big contracts, you know? Um, Yeah, no, Fred Warner was huge last season, man. I think he deserved that contract. I'll, I'll say that like at the time, I think, I think like when everything happened, how it happened with Warner, I was happy. I know 49ers fans were. So, like, it is a little hindsight, but uh, it's just tough. It's one of those things, right? You, you kind of you want to see how it goes over the next few years. Well, and I will say this, and this might be overlooked, and we'll find out how much of an impact he has on this season. But, you know, there's been so much turnover on the defensive line in the yep. secondary. And obviously, you know, he had been banged up at different times. But I don't think that – 
I, I think that him being, uh, you know, the starting linebacker helps kind of hold some things together. And that might right. be, again, another thing that people are kind of overlooking the aspect of this. This defense, for all the talk, and I'm on here talking about it all the time, it's not bad. It's actually a good no. defense. Why yeah. is it a good defense, though? You can't just say, well, Nick Bosa. That's not the only reason why. There has to be something that Fred Warner is doing as well that's contributing to this being a top five, top ten defense when really it has no business being that good and playing at the high. Again, I talk about the Bengals game. People, oh, man, the cornerbacks, man, the corner. The Bengals had six points heading into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's a high-powered offense. They put up points. Yeah. And, and they scored two it. touchdowns. Even in the games that the 49ers have lost recently, it's not like the defense is the one losing the game, them the game, Croc. Like, I don't know. I Looking back on the season, I don't feel like you can go back to many games where you feel like, hey, the 49ers defense is the reason they lost this game. Like, no, it's because of a bunch of like, hey, our special teams like had freaking three turnovers today or Jimmy is going to throw two picks or, or, or anything like that, right? I don't think you can pin things on the defense this year necessarily. And I think they're getting more crap than they deserve, absolutely. Like, this defense is a, it's a lot better than people give it credit for. I think it's just disappointing that, like, oh, they could have got still had a guy like Buckner around instead of Armstead, and this defense would be, like, great right now if they did have him, right? That's the one thing that is just a little uh, – it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. All but, right, Ben, man, I appreciate you coming on, man. Tell everybody where they can find you, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Do you have your name on your thing? Let me see if I can – Yeah, I think I do. I oh, yeah, I do, I think. Here we go. So that's where you guys can find Ben and myself on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker at Ben Myerson or by Ben Myerson, excuse me, uh, on Twitter. So make sure you guys shoot him a follow, man. Shoot him a follow appreciate right it. now. Grab that Twitter handle. Get my guy a follow, man. I love I love listening to you talk 49 football. I appreciate you coming on, bro. Oh, I always appreciate the time, Croc. Thanks for uh, helping me through that little therapy session with FSU too, man. I'm just... Uh... I'm not going to lie. I don't know how much I'm going to help you, but y'all going to be sorry for a long time. But don't worry. Don't feel bad. They're oh, kind of rivals over there in the ACC. You got Miami. They're kind of trending in the same direction. So it could be yeah, worse. Hey, it's, like, it's not like UF and Miami are very good right now. So, you know, at least there's that, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I see you. Peace out, Rock. All right, man. I appreciate everybody that has contributed to the show. Got my mom in here. Y'all say good morning. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my mom doesn't know. I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell her, but I know we're going down for your birthday, mom. But we are also coming down. We're spending we're spending Christmas Eve with mom, poppy, and then Christmas evening, Christmas Eve evening, we're coming down to stay with you. So I'll stay with you, and then we'll go to BJ's on Christmas Day. So I'll be seeing you Christmas Eve night, Christmas Eve evening. So uh, make sure we got a blanket for me and the family. <laughs> Love you, mama. All right, appreciate everybody that's in the chat right now. Oh, here we go. Got some, some more super chats. Here we go. Bosa and Buckner would be two Hall of Famers on a defensive line. Man, I mean, that's – you talk about those guys next to each other. That's show big time. That's for show big time, for sure. We got a, a player that has a down year, and boom, he shouldn't pay. I know, but I don't agree with that. And I wouldn't even say a down year is just – it's not as loud. It's not as loud. Player has not as loud of a season, and it's like, oh, don't pay him. Nah, man. There's gonna be a moment where Fred Warner, when we need it most, he's gonna make those plays, and it's like that's why we play him. And he keeps everybody else together. So 
Uh, how do how do I watch the Niners games in Arkansas? I have uh, I have an NFL Sunday ticket, so I'm able to watch that. The tough thing with Sunday ticket is I'm usually like two plays behind, so I can't be like live tweeting or anything on Twitter. I gotta wait to commercial breaks to kind of give my thoughts on a certain player or whatever. Because I'm a couple, I can't look at my phone. My chats be going crazy with my brother and them. So I know anytime my phone starts going crazy, something happens. So I turn my phones over, I put them on the ground, and um, I wait till commercial break to look at anything. Not an ideal way to watch football. Uh, Armstead move inside has changed our run defense. Not just Armstead, but uh, you got Armstead and Arden Key. Arden Key has moved inside, and he has been one of the better pass rushers in the league moved inside. He's like top 15, I believe it is, as a pass rusher since the 49ers moved him inside. So Arden Key, I know we don't talk about him, but that might have been a really good signing. Again, I talked about Arden Key as well. Uh, I, I spoke a little bit about him the other day. Arden Key, he, he played 37 games before being a 49er, before signing with the 49ers. 37 games he played. Three total sacks. This year, four sacks. So he's having a career year. A career year. Maybe Bosa helps. Here's another one. How do you watch 90 games in Arkansas, Crocky? Yeah, definitely I watch the games. I got NFL Sunday ticket. NFL Sunday ticket. That's how I watch the 49er games. So, appreciate everybody that's in here. Everybody that stuck around, man. We were here long today. Over two hours. Uh, Good Friday show. My predictions, and it's tough because the points, I'm saying don't bet with the points, but I am taking the 49ers 31-13. I think that's how the 49ers dominate this game. 31-13, 49ers win. I think they have too much on both sides of the ball. I am a little worried. I am a little worried that sometimes the 49ers can do some weird things to make this a game when it shouldn't be. But if 49ers are who I think they are, I said the 49ers pretty dominate this game. 31-13. Don't give Atlanta a chance. But I'm not putting money on that. But yeah, man, pre again, uh, until next time, man, I'll see y'all. Make sure if you haven't already, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Shout out to everybody that hung around for the entirety of this show. Underdog Fantasy promo code Crocky. Download the app. Get paid right now. I got people making money on the daily doing that. Manscaped, manscaped.com, promo code Crocky. Go get your 20% off the entire site right now using my promo code, man, and we are out. Peace. Intercepted. It is picked off by Eric Crocker over midfield. He'll run it all the way into the end zone. Crop Talk TV Podcast. Podcast. Peace.